Uh-oh. Let me see if I have any in the cupboard. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, May 26, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 516. This is No Agenda. Assessing with near certainty it is feasible to capture me at any time. Here in the Travis Heights hideout in Austin, Texas in the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, why am I shouting? I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Lawton Buzzkill. It's to uh, to keep up with the Joneses is why you're shouting. I can do that. I think you should. Can you raise your level? Uh, let me see if the chair has a little thing at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And maybe turn up the microphone while you're at it. Okay. It's the yeah. weirdest thing. It's like the whole song throughout the whole Cinco de Mayo, Fabiche, everything's yeah. great, and then we're going to start the show, and then you do like... Oh, right, no, that's because somebody switches something. You think they're ready to start? Yeah, I think it's about now. <laughs> Got okay, hit, hit it. it. All right, yeah, hit it. Hi, I'm John. <laughs> and I'm Adam Curry. Really? Is that how I'm coming through for you today? No, no, you're, you're fine. Oh, okay. you're good. You're 10 dog biscuits over nine. <laughs> roger, roger. <laughs> well, well, well. Uh, we had not, uh, barely even were we able to wrap up the last episode of the best podcast in the universe. Or already the distraction of the week kicked in. Which one? Uh, Medea Benjamin. I don't know that one. <laughs> I was following what? other distractions. <laughs> you were distracted by other distractions. Uh, Medea Benjamin is the co-founder of Code Pink, uh, John. Oh, the Code Pink people. Yes. Oh, man, we had some Code Pink people in the Berkeley, in our Albany area, mm-hmm. and they had the big trucks as Code Pink. Get, you know what Code Pink uh, stems from? Uh, the lesbians? Gays? No. Oh. Code Pink stem. the original reason for Code Pink was for George W. Bush. Give him the pink slip means fire or uh, impeach Bush. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he started with the code orange, code red, etc. The whole code right, color right. And scheme. They came up right, with code right. pink, and right. that was pink. That. And it was meant pink slip. Right. I do remember this. Well, uh, so I, I looked into the organization because now it's like so the the woman who interrupted the president three times, an unprecedented three times. That was a yeah. She was code pinker. She she's the co-founder of Code Pink. That is Medea. Oh, Medea well, that's Benjamin. great. So I now when this I admire them now. I admire them too, although this is clearly a co-opted operation. And I'm pretty sure that uh, well not only is it just obvious, um it's it, it's the the proof is is in the pudding. So for those of you who missed it, I I'm pretty sure everyone saw at least one snippet somewhere around Gitmo Nation of the president laying out his drone policy. Uh, which uh, falls under the counterterrorism measures, which I have, of course, assessed for you. And and it's uh, uh, the more things to change, the more things change, the more they stay the same for sure in this case. Um, uh, but she uh, she was saying, of course, things that that uh, that make sense. And I'm pretty sure the president was aware something was going to happen. Maybe not this. He I think actually was at some point. Uh, I I love watching Miss Mickey. She cause she has. She's not as uh, biased as I am. I said, well, take a look at this video and you tell me what you think. And her response was, oh, my God, he actually was moved for a moment there by what she was saying. Ah. Even though he immediately said uh, that he didn't agree with her. 
Uh, but I have two clips here because she immediately was making the rounds. Uh, yet another, um, I would say, uh, clue that this was premeditated by someone. And of course, if you want to lay out a policy that is exactly the same as it's always been, and you're going to do this in a bombastic speech, and you have all kinds of other things going on, it is great to get the media uh, to be distracted by someone who is <gasps> talking back to the king. And uh, here's uh, here's what uh, happened on CNN, where I, I got a lot of respect for Miss uh, Miss Benjamin, uh, because we have Carol... CNN, what is it? <laughs> Facebook.com slash Carol CNN. <laughs> I can't remember her name other than that. She says it all the time. And she, <laughs> and she feels that, uh, you know, there was, this was completely wrong. And, uh, you know, the president was already going down that road. He was already, he was already going to give in to everything she wanted. But of course, because of the interruption, you know, I guess he changed his mind or something. I don't know. But her comeback is pretty strong in this bit. And, and again, he was going down that road. Okay. Them. Let me ask you this again. Uh, it sounded to me like the president was going down that road anyway. He was giving this very important policy speech that, frankly, uh, Americans needed to hear. Nah. Oh. <laughs> so, again, you know, I, I asked, I posed the question on my Facebook page. Which is what I do every single morning. And, and asked them what they wanted to ask you. And a lot of them it said that you were listen, listen. hurting your own cause because, one, you appeared rude to the president of the United States. Ooh. And, two, <laughs> you just seemed um, a, a little crazy. Crazy! <laughs> so this is the, uh, the, the 100,000 people who watch CNN still, uh, and they're trying everything. This is this is apparently the narrative that they have. Like you're crazy, and it's rude to interrupt the president. Her comeback, I have to say, was good. Well, I've gotten a fabulous response, and I think killing innocent people with drones is rude. <laughs> I think keeping people who are innocent in indefinite detention for 11 years is rude. Uh, I think not uh, uh, respecting the lives of Muslim people is rude. I think not apologizing to the families of innocent people who are killed is rude. Um, there are a lot of rude things about our policies. Speaking out is actually not rude, but it's the basis of a democratic society where people use their voices to try to make our country better and our policies I don't, I don't think more in line with the rule of law. I disagree with you, but I would think that some Americans at least would say there's a time and a place. Well, exactly. Right. I've been waiting for over five years when the president said he was going to close Guantanamo. The time for words is over. It's time for action. He is the commander of chief, in chief. He can do this on his own. So I, so I thought that was pretty good. I'm like, yeah, right on, girl. Now, um, I, I, I kind of think she's sincere. It feels like it, but... Well, you, you know, first of all... Well, let, let, I, me, let, me, let me finish this second clip, and then I, then we can get into your... Thoughts well, about I, I'm this. not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I mean, but go on. Just play the second okay, well, clip so and the, then I'll... Okay, so the question is, of course, she is the co-founder of Code Pink. She's very well known. How does she get into Oh, yeah. This no, speech? obvious. It's obvious. It's, so, uh, she's planted. She, thank you. And, and it comes out when she's on Democracy Now!, who, of course... Pose the question, but there's no follow-up, which makes it so obvious. Yeah, I mean, again, he was going... Oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. Ah, ah. Anything but her. Uh, oh, man, what happened to my clip? I, it was my freaking setup. Uh, oh, you, oh, you blew it. No, don't tell me I blew this. Oh, here it is. Gosh, damn. 
Almost. Uh, okay, I'm so sorry about that. Here we go. Here it is. Repeatedly interrupted President Obama's speech Thursday in an exchange that ended with him saying, quote, the voice of that woman is worth paying attention to. Medea Benjamin, uh, welcome to Democracy Now! <laughs> That's what he said. Um, talk about what happened yesterday. Um, first of all, how did you get into the National Defense University for this address? I would assume your face is one of the most famous on Capitol Hill. There are some secrets, Amy, that can't be disclosed. Now, please. You, this is like saying, you know, oh, I could be a terrorist. I could have a zip gun. I could, you know, apparently anyone can just walk in within shouting distance of the president, and it's no big deal. And, of course, Amy Goodman says... But it was uh, great to get in there. And, you know, uh, President Obama, when I just listened to that segment, he's... Nothing. ...said that I wasn't listening to him. I was hanging on every single word. And I really expected to hear some major policy changes, and I didn't know whether I was going to speak up or not. If he had said something like, to show my commitment to Guantanamo... No, so she goes on kind of saying the same thing. So... There is and, no, and Amy Goodman says nothing. Nothing at all. Now, there's some other dude on Democracy Now!, and he he is... That Gonzalez guy. Is that Juan Gonzalez, I think? Something. Yeah. So And and he knows that, this, that she was planted. I think on the CNN interview, I didn't clip that. She even says she got an invite to come. I mean, it's so obvious that, they, that this, was, this was a setup. Whether she's complicit it's or not, like I'm not sure. like the time I went to see Led Zeppelin. I've told this story before. Hit me. Well, okay, so I'm a uh, you, you, uh, working a summer job. And Led Zeppelin, first time they come into the town, first time in the Bay Area, I go see them. And I just thought this was the best band I have ever seen. But in one segment of the song, there was this long pregnant pause where they're ready to rip into one of their uh, little uh, crescendos. And, and just as, a, as we're waiting and waiting, somebody in the back left-hand corner of the audience screams at the top of their lungs perfectly. It's almost like a cue, and the band hits it, and it just brings the house down. Right. And right. I thought this was a little – I thought this was, wow, that guy, wow. <laughs> and so then another guy went to see the band the next night, and sure, I, I'm working okay. with him. Right. We're in the lunchroom, and I, and I just out of the blue said – you know when they were doing this song and there's this guy screamed at the top of his lungs? Did, did you have a guy scream at the top of his lungs in the back <laughs> corner? He says, yeah. Yeah, a guy Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, said, it's, it's, oh, shills. It's called show business. That's what it is. It's show business. And we know politics is just show business for ugly people. And by the way, Robert Plant lives in Austin, they say. <laughs> you haven't seen him yet. No, no. I, I, everyone... Because apparently he lives in Travis Heights, which makes it even funnier, which is where we are. And so whenever I say, you know, well, we're in Travis Heights, someone says, hey, have you seen Robert Plant? I said, no, it's a hoax. He doesn't live here. This is like an, Austin, an Austin hoax. Everyone's like, yeah, Robert Plant lives here. No, he doesn't. No. You know, that's another good bit that always cracks me up. You get these, there are some celebrities that have these hoax uh, places where they supposedly live, <laughs> yeah. to get, it gets the local sales up, and, yeah. and they come yeah. out with an album. Well, it's like yeah, he's a local boy. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's from around here. It's like Sandra Bullock. You know, she oh she lives here. No, she doesn't. I've never seen her here. You know, it's like oh yeah, sorry, I bumped into her at the at the at the HEB. No, this is this actually. Is, if there's any superstar celebrities like a Sandra Bullock actually live actually living there and not visiting once a, her mom once in a while they would be at the farmers market yes of course they would be so this is it's and i think she does she may have a house here but even that i'm not so sure i am but anyway the robert plant thing is a funny hoax because this has been going on for months now
Oh, I hear Robert Plant lives over there. No, he doesn't. There's no house, and no one knows exactly. Oh, it's hidden. <laughs> Place. Anyway. <laughs> it's hidden. So Juan Gonzalez, or whoever it is, he he knows that this is a setup. And he is, but I think he's embarrassed, or he, maybe it's his job to ask the tough questions. Because he is stuttering through the question like 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 he should not be on television. Basically saying, how is it possible that they allowed you to interrupt the president not once, not twice, but three times? Yeah, uh, having watched interruptions of uh, presidents uh, over many decades, uh, I was struck by the fact that you got to interrupt him three different times uh, in that speech. Uh, I'm wondering, do you get a sense, uh, did you get a sense, there, uh, usually after the first or maybe the second time, uh, uh, the Secret Service would move in to drag people away, but uh, did you get a sense that maybe to some degree his people didn't mind the interruptions? <laughs> yes! Thank you, Juan! Uh, to the degree that he was then able to show that he is confronting uh, opposition on the, the left uh, to his policies? Yes, Juan! I give five points to Mr. Gonzalez. You stuttered through it, but I think you nailed it. No, not at all. No. That's not the way it went down, Juan. No. Uh, what you didn't see is what was happening behind the scenes. Of oh, now she's going to tell me all this stuff that happened behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, John. But where the act, you know, uh, off stage left. Where the stage managers were prepping. The uh, Secret Service, the FBI, the uh, people from the base coming over and saying, you must come with us immediately or you'll be under arrest and trying to grab me. And I was saying, don't touch me. I'll scream. You don't want to make a scene in front of the president. Uh, you will regret this if you do it. And they were really confused about what to do. Yeah. <clears throat> Bullshit. I'm calling that honor. That's not true. You were not saying this. There was no scuffle going on. Um, and this was not a not a huge uh, auditorium. So, you know, it's, it's a clear. So, okay. So, show business people. Set up. Well done. Good job. And what is it all about? It's about the presidential directive, uh, which we don't even have the actual text of the presidential directive, the PPD. We do have the fact sheet. That's all we get. See, we're citizens. We don't get to read the actual document so we can dissect the legal basis. No, we get a fact sheet. Did you want to say something before we move on to the fact sheet? No, let's move on. Fact sheet. U.S. policy standards and procedures for the use of force in counterterrorism operations outside the United States in areas of active hostilities. Okay, here we go. So this is about when to use uh, lethal force. And it doesn't even specifically say drones. So um, uh, the president, you know, actually we should kind of, we should play these two quick clips from his speech. Um, here is the president, because, uh, you know, that kind of got snowed under, which was the obvious point. Uh, here he is on Anwar al-Awlaki, who, as we know, was droned, and his uh, and the president's um, reasoning for it being okay. I would have detained and prosecuted al-Awlaki if we captured him before he carried out a plot, but we couldn't. Oh, wait, stop. Hey. Yeah? When did he ever carry out a plot? He was a he was a inspiration for others to carry out plots. He never did anything. Do you know of anything that he did? 
Well, did he bomb someone? Did he did he shoot someone? Did he I, leave an IED? Did he do anything? Well, the president actually has some reasoning behind that, what that means. Let me finish this uh, 10 seconds. A plot, but we couldn't. And as president, I would have been derelict in my duty had Woo! I not authorized the strike that took him out. Take him out, baby. I love that. He's using street terms now. And he'd be derelict took him in his out. duty if he didn't take him out. If I, if I hadn't took a, he said, t- if I hadn't took him out, which is uh, incorrect English, I believe. No, he didn't say that. Yeah, he did. He said, took him out. Let me see. Uh, okay, hold on. I'll roll it up again. He said, I would be derelict in my duty if I had not, if I did not. Well, let's, well, let's listen again. I would have detained and prosecuted Alaki <laughs> if we captured him before he carried out a plot. But we couldn't. And as president, I would have been derelict in my duty had I not authorized the strike that took him out. The strike that took that him out. That took him that out. That took him out. Yeah, I didn't hear that part. Okay, so here is the reasoning behind it, and uh, it seems fair. But when a U.S. citizen goes abroad to wage war against America and is actively plotting to kill U.S. citizens, and when... Neither the United States nor our partners are in a position to capture him before he carries out a plot. His citizenship should no more serve as a shield than a sniper shooting down on an innocent crowd should be protected from a SWAT team. <laughs> Let me get this straight. So if you're plotting, and I think the, the definition of plotting means that you're, I guess you're, uh, you're hunkered down in the sand and you're drawing in, uh, uh, figures in a sti- with a stick. Like, okay, here's what we do. Here's the plan. I'm over here, you see, and we've got yeah, the... Go deep. We've got the American citizens over there, and we're going to go over there, and we're going to kill them with this, uh, I don't know, but we're going to kill them, and this is my plot. So a plot, uh, even if I'm talking to other people about it, it does not warrant the death penalty, but okay. That's who Anwar al was. Aha. He was continuously trying to kill people. No, he wasn't. He was continuously plotting to kill people, and he and the president just likened that to a sniper shooting at people, which is not the same thing. I'm sorry, it is just it's not. Not even. Close. It's not the same thing. And the fact thing. that people lap this up is amazing. Well, I think people don't listen because this is why you have a distraction like that. Because oh, what, what, it's crap. It's pre-crime. In fact, uh, Jeremy Scahill, um, who is uh, very vocal about this, and he was uh, uh, on the Mad uh, Mad Cow uh, show, which I thought was good because she's she <laughs> she starts off this whole piece like showing printers that are going to blow up. Like, oh, these printers were all set. It was all Anwar Al-Awlaki. He was trying to kill people with his printers. Al-Awlaki died 600 days ago. Uh, His case has been litigated posthumously through leaks from the administration. I'm willing to concede maybe everything they say is true about Anwar Al-Awlaki. For me, it's not about who Anwar Al-Awlaki is. It's about who are we as a society. How we treat the most reprehensible of our citizens says a lot about who we are. So if if we had that evidence against him, what was so dangerous that we couldn't seek an indictment and uphold the rule of law? And and I should say, and and no... Almost no one ever talks about this. The first time that we know that the U.S. tried to kill Anwar al-Awlaki was before the underwear bomb plot, Uh before any of the allegations that President Obama made today. They tried to kill Anwar al-Awlaki on December 24th, 2009. This is before any of this had had taken place, before any of the things in the Attorney General's letter. Oh, interesting. Well, it's good that we know that. 
So now let's go to the policy document, not the actual policy document, of course, because we're not allowed to have that. Uh, it may show up in the Federal Register, but I haven't seen it yet. So here's the yeah. facts. Facts. Standards for the use of lethal force. Any decision to use force abroad, even when our adversaries are terrorists dedicated to killing American citizens, is a significant one. Uh, yeah. Lethal force will not be proposed or pursued as punishment or as a substitute for prosecuting a terrorist suspect in a civilian court or military commission. Uh, talk is cheap. Lethal force will be used only to prevent or stop attacks against U.S. persons, and even then, only when capture is not feasible and no other reasonable alternatives exist to address the threat effectively. So already they are now um, uh, contradicting their own policy because it says lethal force will only be proposed or pursued um, uh, to prevent or stop attacks but not the plotting of an attack. Okay, I guess it's, it's all interpretation. In particular, uh, lethal force will be used outside areas of active hostilities only when the following preconditions are met. You might want to write this down, John. I'm writing. First, there are, must be a legal basis for using lethal force, whether it is against a senior operational leader of a terrorist organization or the forces that organizing is using or intends to use to conduct terrorist attacks. So if someone intends to use me to conduct a terrorist attack... That is number one on the list that can be taken out, even if I don't even know it. Yeah, they could be uh, listening to the No Agenda show and saying, you know that, Adam? I think we can use him to do a terrorist attack, and yeah. then you, you can be killed. And by the way, um, they talk, the, the word feasible is used. I think uh, words matter. The definition of feasible is, do you know what that is, John? Yeah, it means it's possible to do it, and, and I, I, I think it implies easy. Yes, very good. The, the definition is possible to do it easily or conveniently. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. Uh, it's not convenient to go capture him. Oh, means we have to go over there. That's not convenient. Let's kill no, him. Not That's convenient okay. at all. Second, the United States will use lethal force only against a target that poses a continuing imminent threat. To U.S. persons, it is simply not the case that all terrorists pose a continuing imminent threat to U.S. persons. I'm not quite sure why they put that in there, and I'm not sure what the well. We've been through the, the whole definition of imminent, right? We've we've talked about this. They've already they've already redefined what imminent means. So imminent is open to legal interpretation, which is what all these guys are. All these people are lawyers. Third, the following criteria must be met before lethal action may be taken. Now we get down to the nitty-gritty. Near certainty that the terrorist target is present. So, so you can't take lethal action unless you are near certain. Near certain. <laughs> near certainty. is the. What does that yeah, mean? Cert, is, is certain even 100%? Certain isn't even, isn't even positive, is it? What is certain? Well, it means for sure. Really? Pretty much. Let's check it out just to make sure. Certain. And near certain would be, eh, maybe. <laughs> certain. Known for sure, established beyond doubt. 
Okay. So that would be almost, almost, almost sure. Why can't it just be certain? Near certainty that non-combatants will be not be injured or killed. So well, that hasn't worked out. <laughs> well, nearly. No, we haven't killed all of them. This well, near- no, we haven't killed the entire population. <laughs> no, but, no. You know. so but here's here's another favorite. You also need an assessment that capture is not feasible at the time of the operation. Now I oh, like well, this. They because, can do that because it's okay, not. Okay, here's saying, the deal. Yeah. So you get here, uh, Ella Waka Waka. Yeah, yeah, let me let me try. It. Let me try it. Let me try it. Let me try it on you. Uh, uh, Major John uh, Dvorak, uh, have you assessed if we can capture this Alawaka dude? Do we have him on the uh, drone uh, monitor? Yes, and is there are there any uh, nearby <laughs> soldiers right by him at, at the moment? Uh, d- looks, I'm pretty sure there aren't. Fire. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, you have to assess the capture. I did. <laughs> so it, it's one thing to say an assessment. It's another thing to say a an assessment, uh, a positive proof, positive beyond a reasonable near certainty doubt assessment. Just an assessment. An assessment is just that. It's just like, oh, I assessed it. Doesn't even say if, it, if an assessment whether it, it's just crazy. It's here assessment. The evaluation or estimation of the nature, quality, or ability of someone or something. So just it just means the evaluation. It doesn't I just even... did just I you we in our little play, <laughs> yeah. the, the, which was the lovely. Curry Dvorak Playhouse. Play <laughs> we we did the assessment exactly the way it would be done. Well, we, well, there's another assessment. An assessment that the relevant governmental authorities in the country where action is contemplated cannot or will not effectively address the threat to the U.S. persons. Right. And while we're at it, an assessment that no other reasonable alternatives exist to effectively address the threat to U.S. persons. The guy was in the Jeep. Heading to the USA. <laughs> For all we know. He was heading west. <laughs> he was heading west and that's toward us. That is that's my assessment right there. Can we uh, can we can we put up a roadblock? That would be a reasonable alternative, I think. No. Well, no. yeah, but those locals they don't care. They think we're full of crap. And so um uh, just a couple more points here. Uh finally, whenever the United States uses force in foreign territories, in, now, this is what's interesting. International legal principles, including respect for sovereignty and the law of armed conflict, impose important constraints on the ability of the United States to act unilaterally and on the way in which the United States can use force. The United States respects national sovereignty and international <laughs> law. Well, how about our Constitution, a-holes? There's no mention of that. No, why would there be? That is that is just crazy. Uh, okay, so who uh, who does these assessments as we just did in our little? Uh, actually, we weren't far off, but I th- actually we were kind of far off because I went to Major General Dvorak, but apparently uh, it can just include the deputies and heads of key departments and agencies, and they will consider proposals to make sure that our policy standards are met and attorneys including the senior lawyers of key departments and agencies, will review and determine the legality of the proposals. So here's some douchebag who passed the bar, who speaks a different language uh, and can charge money for it, 
Who's going to determine? Oh yeah, it looks good. And it's not. It, <laughs> looks. But it's good. it's deputies, deputies, and heads of key departments and agencies. What like the like some assistant to uh, the head interns. of interns? Yeah. <laughs> Do I get to pick? <laughs> and get me some coffee while you're at it. <laughs> Choose. Hey, take a look at this. What do you think? This guy look guilty to you? Yeah. Give me some coffee. Okay. <laughs> this is insane. And this is what no one talked about. Well, why bother? Anyway, so then, then there's one little footnote here about non-combatants who, of course, we have to, with near certainty, try to avoid... Uh, uh, killing them after an assessment by the interns. Non-combatants are individuals who may not be made the object of attack under applicable international law. Aha! The term non-combatant. This is it's it's so obvious that we we the, you know I I've always stayed away from jokes about lawyers because yeah I've used a lot of them and and it's just kind of the way it is and if someone studies law you know you know I, why would I. Have, be a dick about it. You know, it's just what it is. And, you know, there, some people choose certain professions. But this has, it has gone too far. From when, you know, the, the whole idea of we're a nation of laws, it's, it's just become insane because, you know, in the legal profession, you can twist and turn everything. And this is exactly what's happening. The term non-combatant does not include an individual who is part of a belligerent party to an armed conflict. An individual who is taking a direct part in hostilities, okay, or an individual who is targetable in the exercise of national self-defense. What? So that means anybody. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, I can read. I, I did, I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to law school, but I can read, and I'm not letting anyone get the slip this by. Of course, this isn't even the official document. It's just the fact sheet. Uh, you can imagine the official document uh, must be a beauty. I'm salivating. I want this thing. But I think presidential directives aren't necessarily released to the public, are they? I think, uh, I think they're we've only... We've seen some of them. I don't know that... Uh, hmm. I don't know what the process is with a directive. Yeah. You know what the, what the orders are. We see those. Yeah. Those get released. Yeah. No, but I, I thought the directive was under an order. Now, a, a PPD is... It is something else, and I think it go it can go to select committees in Congress. It's secret stuff. You it's know? not necessarily to, no. I'm pretty sure. I don't uh, think it is presidential I'm gonna directive. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, there's Robert Plant's address. Interesting. <laughs> right around the corner. I'm going to go up there and say, "Hey, dude, you had a plant in your show." Ooh, I'm sorry. That's your last name. Very funny. A form of executive order issued by the president with advice and consent of the National Security Council directives. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, here we go. Since many of the presidential directives pertain to the national security, many remain classified. See, I told oh, yeah, you. I see that. Told you. That's bull crap. It really... Well, if, it, if it's classified, why even give us anything, uh, including the, uh, the summary? The fact sheet? Well, it really doesn't matter. It just really doesn't matter because the whole thing was interrupted by the lady and then the lady gets all the press. And, you know, meanwhile, uh, while no one's looking. A rocket launch this evening is expected to boost the U.S. military's capacity for communications. 
We have liftoff. The United The single satellite on the rocket has as much bandwidth as a whole fleet of previous generation satellites. The increased capacity will be used by the Army, and in part, it will help American pilots and soldiers hunt terrorists using unmanned <laughs> drones. <laughs> Naturally, that's right. Terrorist hunter. Wait, it should just be Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak, terrorist hunters. That, yeah, we <laughs> might get some funding. So I'm talking about drones. <laughs> yeah. So Rand Paul was up in New Hampshire mm -hmm. giving a speech to the Republicans, mm -hmm. and you and, and tell me that the somebody's I don't know is it me or are they lifting our material? I'm not sure. So about a month ago, I got in the car to go to work, and I thought on the way in that I wanted to say something about drones. I'd been asking the question for a while, and so I got up and I spoke for 13 hours. <laughs> and I went to CPAC the next week, and I'm talking, there's a lot of young people, one kid yells out, and he summarizes my speech in three words. He says, don't drone me, bro. <laughs> So this, of course, uh, was, uh, this definitely originated on the No Agenda show. And uh, I was carrying a sign with Don't Draw Me Bro uh, two and a half, three years ago uh, at Occupy LA before that got co-opted. Right. And you actually got a couple of pictures of yourself. Yeah. But, 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 by the way, I do want to mention something. Don't drone me, bro, is four words, not three words. <laughs> Loose or drone. Congratulations, John. You win this round. That's correct. Don't drone me, bro. Wow. Yeah, that is kind of. Yeah, I. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of sad. <laughs> it's bad. No, it, but the, you remember the way it went? Uh, I think I have the clip when he said that. Uh, drone me, bro. Let me see. I think that um, Rand Paul was saying, I said to the president four words, and that's when clearly a no agenda producer in the audience yelled out, don't drone me, bro. So he doesn't he doesn't even remember his own setup. I don't think I have it anymore. Yeah, I remember that, too. That was, the C yeah, from the CPAC speech. We picked it up. Yeah, yeah. But, he, he, but he's using it now on the, on the stump. Yeah, of course. I, I don't trust him. I know you don't. I don't trust anybody except you, and that's well. that's only marginally. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have your? Uh, did you pack your bag? Is your tooth? You got your toothbrush and everything ready to go? For what? To come here. When? Like I thought you were flying out tonight. Why? Well, Mickey's leaving for Europe for ten days. Oh, party, bitches! And you're bringing the hookers in. Yeah, hookers, everything. Yeah, Texas hookers are the best. <laughs> yeah. I, are you speaking on experience? No, no, there's a survey. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, uh, this I had this in the show notes on uh, Thursday. In Greece, prostitution is up 150%. <laughs> I wonder why. Prices are down 150%. There's a good side to everything. <laughs> yeah, actually, the story, and you can find it in the show notes for the previous show, it's pretty sad, really. I mean, they're, the hookers are going for like 5 and 10 euros. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, well, that'll bring the tourist trade up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but by the way, hello, Euroland. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Let's take a look. 
Anti-Muslim sentiment appears to be on the rise in England after Wednesday's gruesome murder of a British soldier in London. Newcastle police estimate a protest by a far-right group drew about 1,500 people, several times more than expected. Now, the demonstration was originally planned to protest the creation of an Islamic school in England, but the focus changed after soldier Lee Rigby was brutally killed in London by two men who claimed to be acting in revenge for British wars in Muslim countries. Another attack on a man in uniform has much of Europe on edge tonight as well. A French soldier was stabbed in the neck while on patrol in a busy commercial district west of Paris. Police think the attack could be linked to Rigby's killing in London. And back to that case, UK police arrested three men today for conspiracy to commit murder. London has put more than a thousand extra officers on patrol in light of these attacks. And authorities have stepped up security in some major cities here in the U.S. That's right. It's called the strategy of tension also known as Gladio Plan B. And uh, this thing in London, did, did you look at any of this, John? This, uh, this so about called... it a little bit on the last show. Yeah, but I mean, I've really gone over. There's many different angles. There's by, re- by the, before you go into that, I want to mention, what was a French soldier doing on patrol at apparently a shopping mall or whatever it oh, was? What does that mean? Oh, man. The, the... French soldiers are wandering around yeah, on patrol? Yes. What's wrong with the police? No, the, the, the French have had boots on the ground for a long time now. They're everywhere. No, every I think even goes predates the election. Oh yeah, um, there was a gosh, there was one of the guys who was running for president um, when they had their elections, and um, it's, it's 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 unfortunate. My French is just not good enough to get the nuances, and I watched like three hours of YouTube video. There was this whole pre- presentation of how the uh, France's constitution over the years, has been uh, substantially altered. They have had amendments and changes, and I think I should remind everybody that um, the American constitutional system is, uh, the Republic, I would say, is based on um, part of the French system, correct? No, the French uh, constitution came far after ours. No, by- but the idea, the idea of a republic... Oh, the, yeah, the Republic may be French in, in, in origin, from yes. French French philosophies, not from anything they actually no, not, not from actual, that I know of. No, not from anything legal, but what you're seeing is that the French, and we had a French guy over the other day, They so they don't mess around, first of all. Uh, they, they get very uptight when things are not going the way the people want it. But the actual power of, and this is what's new for them, the power of the people running the show has been removed because that power is no longer in hands of the French president. It is all now in Brussels, all of it. So lawlessness is ensuing. I might want to point out that Stockholm is burning, burning to the ground. It's been on fire now for a week, and uh, that's it's it's weird. But we've never nobody's reporting on it. There, well, there is some reporting, but I mean, it's not like. Uh, uh, well, at the New York Times right here, the Sunday Times. Well, you know what? Uh, maybe maybe the N- NBC Today show had some. They did have some news. Now, thanks to Time magazine, we have proof that even the commander in chief once donned the white dinner jacket. There he is. That 17 year old Barry Obama, as he was called at the time, at his senior prom in Hawaii. That was in 79. President Obama's classmate Kelly Allman released the pictures to Time complete with the president's yearbook inscription to her calling her, quote, extremely sweet and foxy. 
Yeah, that's the news, people. That's what's important to know, Barry. How come we don't call him Barry? Barry. Where's this Barack come from? (laughs) So he can sell that book of his. We're we're on the cover of the book. He says he was born in Kenya. (laughs) Um, so, but here's what's interesting about this London thing. Um, it immediately has moved a whole bunch of things into action, uh, which I so I'm I'm convinced this was a setup. Even more so when uh, we learn that this uh, guy who you know who chopped up a body and there was no blood. He, he you know his hands were colorized on the video. There's some there's some videogra- videographic evidence of this now. That uh, you, there's an original video that you can see, and then the video where his hands and it's not dripping with blood; it's colorized. It's almost like this is, it's a wonderful life. Uh, and this guy, and by the way, he's just talking to the camera. I mean, what is this? People just walking around. Um, you know, there's no head separated from the body. There's no blood flowing anywhere. There's no blood stains left after the fact. The whole thing is incredibly sketchy. And then it turns out. Uh, that uh, the Secret Service has tried to recruit him as a spy, and then the guy who was telling this on BBC Newsnight got arrested. It's already known that Michael Adebolajo, one of the two suspects, was known to the security services. But what's emerged now is an allegation that MI5 tried to recruit him as a spy. In an interview with the BBC's Newsnight programme, one of his childhood friends, Abu Nasaiba, says Michael Adebolajo was approached by them around six months ago after a trip to Kenya where he claimed he'd been arrested and attacked. He mentioned that they want, uh, initially they wanted to ask him whether he knew certain individuals, basically. Uh, that was the initial issue. But uh, after him uh, saying that he didn't know these individuals and so forth, uh, what he said is they asked him whether he'll be interested in working for them. He was explicit in that, you know, he refused to work for them. The BBC doesn't have any way of verifying the claim. After the interview, Abu Nasaiba was arrested at the BBC <laughs> in relation to suspected terrorism offences. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> hey, hey, you can't say that on television. You're under arrest. Wow. <laughs> you got one there. Isn't that amazing? That's unbelievable. So, so, the, so they had approached the guy. He says, no, I'm not really interested in doing that. And then I guess they mind control him or whatever. He and is like, okay, I'll do this one play then, okay. And then he does it, and then the and then his buddy goes, hey man, that's weird. And then it's like, whoops, he's gone. And then uh, of course we have uh, immediately the elites jump into play. Uh, there's you know of course we had this big protest which changed overnight, obviously. Uh, so now we've got a, a a real tension going on, and when that happens. Then rules start to get implemented. Changes come. Here's, I think, Theresa May, the Home Secretary, uh, who, of course, uh, knows that it is uh, obviously the Internet that can uh, radicalize thousands of people. People will wonder, is it really necessary to have new laws in order to stop people standing on the streets of Britain calling for the beheading of soldiers? Or is it just that those laws are not being implemented? Well, I think uh, the task force, which uh, is going to be able to look across the whole of government, I've talked to you about the Prevent programme 
in the Home Office, we need to look across uh, institutions like universities, uh, whether there's more work we can be doing in prisons. But yes, we do need to look at the powers, we need to look at the laws, we need to look, for example, at the question of, of whether perhaps uh, we need to have banning orders to ban organisations that don't meet the threshold for prescription. Uh, we need to look at organisations outside government as well. I love that, the threshold for prescription. Whatever it means, it's a show title. What government is doing uh, across the uh, various departments departments, like the work of Ofcom, for example. Um, these are issues that are, that are being... Ofcom is the uh, British uh, FCC. So Ofcom, let, let me just be clear, you're talking about, in other words, uh, internet, hate preaching, or what's shown on preaching. television, what would you like the uh, communications well, regulator to do? One of the issues we need to look at is whether we've got the right process is the right rules in place in relation to what is being beamed into people's homes. What's your <laughs> The No Agenda show is clearly being beamed into people's homes and it is an outrageous, outrageous program. Can you used to talk about the oxygen of publicity. Yeah. Is your fear as Home Secretary that we, the broadcasters, that the internet service providers have provided hate, if you like, hate. the oxygen hate. of publicity? Hate. There is no doubt that could I have three ounces of hate from you, John? Oh, let me see if I have any in the cupboard. <laughs> People are able to watch things through the internet, um, which can lead to radicalisation. Uh, what we do is we have a referral unit, which members of the public and organisations... referral unit? ...are able to refer into that unit uh, when they've got concern about what's being broadcast <laughs> across the internet, and a significant... Broad broadcast! <laughs> this is so wrong on so many levels. But since that unit was set up in 2010, uh, Something like 5,000, 500, oh. 5,700 separate pieces have been taken down off the internet. Oh. But we need to look at this. It's removed forever, I tell you. This, uh, as I say, we need to see if we should be doing more. We need to see if there are additional steps we should be taking to prevent radicalization. Yes, prevent radicalization. We, when did this term, radicalization, I mean, we've tracked it for many, many years now. But didn't we used to have, like, just different words for this kind of stuff? Like, um, what we using? I mean, radicalization. Wouldn't you just troublemaker? Didn't we used to have different words for this? I, I'm trying to think as you as you suggest this as a as a topic to think about. Um, you know what you're gonna? I think what we're gonna have to do is probably. I don't know. We're gonna have to look at. Uh, like some, some old, old newspapers yeah, that old aren't newspapers and magazines. corrupted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, in other words, pre nineteen, I'd say probably anything in the seventies. Really? Uh, I mean, how about we'll, even? We'll pre keep it in the back of our minds. We'll figure it out. How about even but, pre nine eleven? Maybe just maybe it's maybe it really started then. This whole idea mm -hmm. of but you know, it's like, I want to go be pre eighty at least because mm. there was a uh, there was a this stuff was beginning. There was a we had a bunch of remember the. Carlos the Jackal. We always had these terrorists. No, no, I don't, wait a minute. no I don't remember him. Uh, there was a bunch of them, and they uh, they were in the news commonly, but they were, you know, they didn't use it to clamp down on the public like they have now. How about for some, ra for some reason? I'm not even sure why why any of this is. Going wait a minute. On. We had radicals. We had anarchists. We had communists. We had witches. Maybe maybe <laughs> witches. witches. <laughs> the self witchalization. Okay. It's just that the, you know now it's it's when when you hear someone and this is in the UK and I'm sure that our program will be cut off there first 
no doubt. When it's like, oh, well, the, clearly there's this beaming through the internet. <laughs> it's beaming into your home. The self-radicalization tactics being beamed. These people have no clue when you talk like that. Beamed. This internet, what a truly beautiful... Did you ever think, John, in your wildest dreams, back when you were writing the Windows 95 Telecommunications Bible, was that the... the that was your best... the biggest bestseller. Was that the one? It was the Dvorak's Guide to Telecommunications. It actually predates... Uh, Windows, Windows 95. 95. Was it Windows it was 3? Done, it was done in the 80s. Yeah, I sold uh, over a quarter million copies. Yeah, no, no, of that, that, that was I, I remember that. And I and it came with diskettes, did it not? Yes, it had uh, uh, fly, one of those little 5-inch uh, or time sorry, 3 and a half three inch and a half hard, inch hard floppy. Yeah, hard floppy. Did you at that point because it, this is still the, the this is BBS time and uh Fidonet. Did you think <laughs> Fidonet? Did, <laughs> hey, yeah, good one. That's yeah, true. No, listen. I was I was and around. CompuServe. Yes. This all began with the source, CompuServe. Yep. Uh, and all that sort of thing. Do you remember um what was it, Cupcake? No, I don't remember Cupcake. It was not, we had the C B thing on CompuServe, which was the basically the IRC chat room. Right. And, and the C B it was called the C B simulator. That's right. C B simulator. And it was during the era of C B radio, and so when you were do when you were chatting on C B simulator, Ch simulator you had channels, you had you channels. Would, good buddy, yeah. use all the crazy <laughs> terms. And you had channels too. It was like you had different channels to go to. Yeah, just um, like the C is a C B simulator. So so that of course was already quite cool because the, it was like, wow, there's this network of modems. And you could call into a local number, which meant that this is kids come sit on my knee for a moment. I got a story. You won't believe it. And uh, it was great because it, you would call a local number and it would it would be free. Essentially, it wouldn't cost anything because it was within your local exchange. This is how it used to work before cell phones. Before everything costs money, regard before you were paying fifty cents for a text message. <laughs> yeah, and you're paying when you get a call. <laughs> and then you know, and 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 I had, I think I had three lines at the house, and I ran, I ran, I ran lots a, of lines, and I ran a BBS for a while. You know, and someone would dial in, and then you know they could be on your BBS and upload a file and leave a message, and then there would be a little timer in the corner that would be counting down how much time they had left before the modem would kick them off, so someone else could dial in. And uh, but did you ever in your wildest dreams think that we would get to this point where we're we're doing a show and there's tens of people listening and uh, and and you could sit in California and I'd be in Texas and the, we'd be at this point did you ever really consider that back then I should say yes but it's impossible yeah it's like I don't re when I was you know like in the 80s for example I can't even even though you you know you knew the numbers and you know where things are headed, and it doesn't take a genius to see a trend in this industry, right? But it still baffles me yeah. that I can go to Costco and pick up a four terabyte drive for one hundred forty <laughs> bucks. Yeah, you. I know you, you love the drive thing. The storage thing is your thing. Well, it's just like holy crap! <laughs> when I had my first hard disk, it was five megabytes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, mine was, uh, I had a 10, 
I think a 10 megabyte, the big external big SCSI drive, thing. the SCSI drive with a big, with that big fucking connector on the back. Yeah, the big <laughs> giant plug that, that had clips so the plug wouldn't come undone. Yeah, clips. <laughs> uh, hey, shut up! You hear that? It's like some some birds and crap out here. Shut up! I'm gonna show here. Anyway, so, yeah, um, so, no, so, so, so I guess what I'm saying is that when I hear when I hear this talk from uh, from the Home Secretary over there in Gitmo Nation uh, East, they have no clue what they're talking about or what they're dealing with. They see it so linear, you know. It's just it, they really don't understand. And most of these people can't use a computer. And you have to remember, Janet Napolitano doesn't use email and i don't think she uses a computer at all no no we know she has an ipad this has been confirmed oh well okay i guess yeah. an ipad counts for something yeah but you know the the, the self-organization look at this, this, <laughs> this snap oh, look i can move it with my finger <sighs> she's doing words with friends believe me so the but the 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 the, the capability we have which we're not Harnessing, by the way, we are such losers as human beings. We're, we'll, we'll come around. I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that we're like we're all waiting for some company to do it or some some you know some bullcrap and all of this venture stuff. I mean, so we have uh, this new thing in Austin. It's called uh, Sidecar. Are you familiar with Sidecar? Have you ever heard of this? It's not just in Austin. It's in other places. Do you know Sidecar? Uh, it rings a bell, okay. but you better, I don't know. Okay, so Sidecar is essentially, it's a system, it's an app, and you as a private citizen can decide that you are going to be uh, driving people around, like a cab around town. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, we have that here. There's a number of, uh, there's three or four of these things around right. the country, different and brands of these things. So Sidecar is interesting because it really is citizens themselves who then decide, decide to become a driver, and then you can look and see, you know, and you see where the, where the car's nearby, and you can tap on it, see if that guy looks like a creep. I don't want him picking me up, so no, you know, you get you, you select someone yeah, else. A, this, by the way, is a 40-year cycle again. This is a the modern version of what we used to have in the 70s, which was hitchhiking. Right, <laughs> it's hitchhiking. And, um, well, the hitchhiking was actually better. This is the problem, because here, we're all, you know, and, and, and you know, now there's a company, and the company is, you know, involved. Right, we in, have middlemen. It's oh, like, it's like why, why can't we just figure, the, the problem is, we have bought into this cheap mirrors and trinkets idea of, oh, there's a cool service, there's Twitter and all this stuff, when we need to be using the protocols that we control so that we can self-radicalize, I'll use that term, organize ourselves, because it's a beautiful system, it's a beautiful idea, but there always has to be someone in the middle making money, and that screws everything up every single time. And for some reason, we've been programmed into not seeing that that is not the way to go. We're like, um, you know, like the, the, the idiot who just keeps walking into the door, the, like, oh, it's closed. It's closed. It's closed. It's closed. How many times are we going to hit our head against this wall until we understand what we really have to do? That sounds like drone talk to me. <laughs> hey, in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Well, in the morning to you, Adam Curry. And in the morning to all the boots on the ground out there, feet in the water, subs in the water, uh... Ships on the water and all the days and nights out there. <laughs> yeah, and in the morning to all of our human resources in the chat room. No, 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 yeah, over there. Noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Uh, nice to everybody uh, standing by. And in the morning to the damn bird. I mean, they must be eating a dead squirrel or something outside my window. 
Oh, birds are I, we can't, I can't hear it. So I don't think anyone's going to care, but it's, it adds atmosphere. It adds dimensionality to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, great. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's a Sunday. It is Memorial Day weekend. Um, and we had pre-pleaded... And uh, I think for a Memorial Day weekend, uh, we got some, we got a good, a good little bit of support here. I'm happy. Yeah, and you want to thank our producers? Yes, please. Uh, well, we do have a few, including one, uh, Zachary Giesemann, Sir Giesemann from uh, Ellensburg, Washington, sent in four hundred four dollars. Uh, will become executive producer for show five sixteen. I guess he's a now exclusive member of the four hundred four club. <laughs> yeah. Which is anyway, cool. he, I couldn't Welcome. find any note from him, so I'll, I'll, we'll wait. Hey, Philip sent. Apparently, sorry. apparently uh, PayPal uh, evaluated his uh, his donation for longer than usual. <laughs> yeah, four oh four. Yes, I, we have a, a hundred and what's twelve shows later he comes in. Yeah, uh, Philip Sanders in Ewing, New Jersey, three 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 is a pre donor for way too a pre donor for way too long. That's also known as a boner. Please accept this check. Is it possible to get some F cancer karma for my sister-in-law, Karen, and my lovely bride, Mary, who is taking care of her? Yeah, absolutely. We love handing that out. You've got karma. Absolutely. F it. F it. So, uh, Sir Sander Hawksbergen, Bergen in Zandum. 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 Zondum. There you go. No wonder the Dutch are shouting at each other all the time. 333333, just to support your show, it is the best podcast in the universe. Thank you, guys. Best regards. Thank you, Sir Sander. Uh, Robert Clemens in Utrecht. Utrecht. 33312. A very long letter. I'll read some of it. Uh... John, don't try. You will say you tracked no matter how hard you try to pronounce it correctly. First time donor uh, aiming to be the second uh, knighthood from this town. <laughs> Only some dude somewhere in the university area has been first. Yeah. Track him down. Probably a self-radicalized student of some sort. I'd like to douche my friend Taco. Douchebag. Who got me listening to the No Agenda show, but he's still a virgin regards, in regards to donating. Ah. Now he'll have to give a contribution to de-douche himself, listening to the show for several months. Now I'm rapidly losing all belief in anything that comes from the traditional media, especially struck by the black is white, up is down, etc. theory. This seems so true. And having been a business executive myself for years now, I know that it is a strategy we are using so often in corporate life. If the CEO or another douche, including myself, says stuff like, regarding to your jobs, nothing will change, then you'd better hide. <laughs> anyway, thank that's, you for the that's extra right. value. I hope that the PayPal process still works out. Please be so kind as to give me a shut up already at science. I uh, love the voice. And a nap for humanity. Absolutely. Shut up already. It's science. Nap for humanity. Now, if I can get this thing to scroll, yeah, uh, it, it, isn't that? And this is something that uh, Miss Mickey was doing a a spreadsheet for her uh, for her show that she's doing in uh, in Amsterdam, and I kind of get reminded that 
spreadsheets are great for certain things, but when it comes to like what we're doing here, and you know, if you want to just scroll down and it's one big cell of information, yeah, then it boom, it bounces to the uh, next one. So you gotta, you, yeah, you can't just get it to stop. How, it, there must be a way to do that. Yeah, uh, this is the Microsoft stuff. No, I have I have it with Open Office too. Yeah, well, anyway, that will be our, our last executive producer. We do have some. Oh, yeah, open. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they stole the code. Snorkel in Lake uh, North Lakes, <laughs> sure, Queensland. Sure no, I mean, have you ever noticed? Here's a couple of things. I remember this back in the days. We talked about the CB simula- simulator earlier. I remember some. There was a couple of code anomalies that if you opened a window and then you did something, then another one would open on top of it, and you couldn't get. And it was the exact same anomaly you'd find in other products from different companies. It was exactly the same. So somebody was using the same code base, and I don't think they were sharing it on you know with any. I don't think they were meant to be sharing it. It was being stolen. Hmm. Anyway, Snorkel in Lake North Lakes, Queensland, 23333, the associate executive producer. He has a very long note, and I'll read part of it. Albright and Josephine, and a shout-out to Mademoiselle Gazelle, an e- AEP donation for show 516 referred to be credited to Snorkel, uh, which we did. PayPal didn't give me anywhere to put a note in. PayPal? Really? PayPal? PayPal. <laughs> It's the holy the holy transfer of money. PayPal. PayPal didn't give me anywhere to put a note, and hopefully this mail makes it in time. So rather than being yet another pre-donor, I intended to uh, opted to resolve my sleepless nights with some value for value. Let me explain. I'm quite stressed by the moment. In addition to just getting by, I go to the State Civil Appeals Tribunal here in the sunny state of Queensland in Australia on Monday after two years of chasing the guy that built my house with one simple aim to finally nail him to the wall to fix my leaking bathroom. Lay awake wondering how to resolve my sleepless, stressed-out night fretting over this. The solution? Rather than spending this money I don't have on some plastic crap, why don't I secure some karma before the big day and get some AEP credits for the linkage of my page to boot? Who knows? Maybe even an EP credit along the way. The Sunday shows have been going. Well, you didn't make it. Simply want to call out the builder as a douchebag. Douchebag. And ask for a shot of tri- uh, tribal karma. Tribunal karma. Oh, I'm sorry, tribunal karma. Absolutely. Here we go. You've got karma. Well, we hope to get your leaky bathroom fixed. You never know. Yeah, and he says, by the way, the analysis of late has been great. And it's nice that you have trimmed <laughs> the lower donor notes. <laughs> yeah, we didn't trim the, that one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Rodney Adams, Sir Atomic Rod, our buddy in Forest, Virginia. 20523. Please give a birthday call out. Do we have the birthday call out? Yes. He, from, yeah, I well, so. actually, I already did it on a Thursday show, but we're going to do it again. He, you know, he became a granddad. You know, he's like, he's beaming. He's like, ah! Yeah. I'm a beaming granddad. Yeah, beaming. Paul Donlin in Bellevue, Washington, which you'd think Tom McGraw would be around there. 200 bucks, uh, and he just needs a little job karma. Okay, here you go. Coming at you. You've got karma. Payful. And those are our uh, executive and uh, associate executive producers for show 516. They'll be noted in the show notes. And we want to thank them and everyone else for contributing today, which is a slow day for us generally. Uh, and make sure you listen to Thursday's show. This is show 516. Go to no dvorak.org slash na and channel com slash na to hit the donate page and we appreciate all the help we can get yes and uh, thank you of course to our artists who are always uh, out there working hard for us it is lovely the amount of art we've been able to choose from recently has just been phenomenal which is great because we do have our slower days and then we can always go back and 
and look if one of those are uh, are useful. So never put the uh, the episode number in it because we yeah, like don't put the episode number on your artwork because yeah. it will. We can use it maybe in a future show when we're when nothing good comes in, which does happen. So thank you, uh, Joshua Pettigrew for the uh, album art for episode 515. As John said, this is 516. And thank you to Buckfist and Haggis, uh, who... Uh, <laughs> Which sounds, I guess, is some food they eat in Scotland. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what... But, uh, uh, he has a note here, but he uh, he uh, registered a domain for us that is uh, forwarding to noagendashow.com, selfradical.com. Which I think is, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. I mean, we need you, more of that. Do you guys just want the show to end? Is that the idea? You just just want us to be droned and have it all done with? Uh, thank you very much. I'm sure there'll be a lot more uh, that we'll be working on in the next couple of days. Uh, we got the long uh, part of the week, and even though it's Memorial Day weekend, we will still, of course, uh, be all over it. Uh, there's always something happen. They always like to have things uh, take place when everyone's out partying and buying cars because that's what we do here in america when we're supposed to be remembering the war fallen uh and uh please remember us dvorak.org slash n a of course while you're hanging out with the family and friends over the weekends how about propagating the formula our formula is this we go out we hit people in the mouth being a Memorial Day weekend, uh, which, as you know, in my family is taken very seriously. Uh, I am the the true black sheep of the family. My entire family comes from a long line of uh, service men and women, uh, both in the uniformed and uh, non-uniformed services. Um, and I am, the, <laughs> which is probably why I'm doing what I do. A lot of people have analyzed me this way. Uh, and so Memorial Day weekend is, of course, a time to think about uh, the people who have uh, served our country. And uh, But uh, the servicemen and women, and you know, I think it's clear, John, or it's, it's no secret that I have a, 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 I think the show in general, but I think myself in particular, we, I have a bond with people in the service. And I'm not quite sure why. Um, have you ever thought about this? About your bond with people in yeah. the service? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it started with the challenge coins, but maybe it's because when I was I went to Iraq. Or I don't know what it is. It's you know, for some reason, you know, and I come from a family, but I'm, I have not served myself, you know. So it's uh, I'm 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 serving your country by doing the show. Well, maybe that's what it is. But for some reason, I have a bond, and so I have a lot of contact um, with. People, you know, email, um, yeah, WhatsApp is a favorite. Yes, you're simpatico. I don't know what it is, uh, but I guess you know, here's what it is. It's very similar to what uh, people in three-letter agencies have is, uh, you know, I understand, I think on a human level, what they're going through and what they're thinking. And because we vocalize that on the show, they feel that they're not crazy. Maybe that's what it is. That, ah, well, I think there's a, the public at large, that the public at large, the ones who listen to this show uh, for any period of time, 
I think it's a relaxing show because you realize, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because when you watch the mainstream media, which is really representing the elites only, it's and a very – it's, it's, it's They are minority. Uh, making no sense. They, they say it makes no sense. You, and you listen to it. And then when there's a good question, like you said, Amy Goodman doesn't ask the question. Yeah. She doesn't ask the obvious uh, when she did the report on the boat, the guy scribbling his note on the boat in, the, yeah. in a plastic yeah. boat, yeah, uh, you know, no, no, just reads it, just read, read it like any other meat yeah. puppet. Yeah. So the president does his show, and of course it's Memorial Day weekend, so you know he does a hile everybody, and uh, and as I listened to what he was saying, it really, really bugged me because. If you, all you have to do is, you know, add a mustache, an armband, or maybe just think North Korea, and if, and if you just saw subtitles of what he's saying, you would think to yourself, my God, he's an insane dictator. He's obsessed with war. With war and, and egocentric nonsense. Do you think we could listen to this? And remove ourselves and step back and and think, to kind of reverse it? Do you think we can do a, a role reversal on ourselves? Do you think that's possible? Because at first I was like, oh, it's just another boring speech about Memorial Day. Uh. And I played it again. I forced myself. And I listened again. I'm like, the words coming out of his mouth, they're inhumane. Should we give it a try? I a game. All right. Pile, everybody. Hi, everybody. This week, I've been speaking about America's national security. Okay. That's the setup, because that's not, he's been talking about what's, when it's legal to kill people. Our past, our present, and our future. On Thursday, I outlined the future of our fight against terrorism, the threats we face, and the way in which we will meet them. On Friday, I went to Annapolis to celebrate the extraordinary young men and women of the United States Naval Academy's class of 2013. The sailors and Marines who will not only lead that fight, but who will lead our country for decades to come. So already he's talking about fight. There's already the word fight has come out in his message of love and peace. And on Monday, we celebrate Memorial Day. Ah. Unofficially, it's the start of summer, a chance for us to spend some extra time with family and friends at barbecues or on the beach, getting a little fun and relaxation in before heading back to work. <laughs> if you got a job. It's also a day on which we set aside some time on our own or with our families, to honor and remember all the men and women who have given their lives in service to this country we love. Okay, so, so far, so good. But remember, now, this is 2013, when we're all supposed to be getting along, and we're a global universe, we've got the internet, we communicate with people all over the world, and this guy is not going to talk about war. They are heroes, each and every one. They gave America the most precious thing they had. The last full measure of devotion. The, it's, so when you die, it's now called the last full measure of devotion. Do, do, do you feel like this? This is where I went, uh oh, That's like, you know, I've, I've heard of the ultimate sacrifice. Devotion. The, it's the last full measure of devotion. Devotion. Yes, devotion. That's a rather odd word to be using. It gets worse. And because they did, we are who we are today. What? A free and prosperous nation. 
the greatest in the world. <laughs> See, this is what if Kim Jong Un stands up and says, "We're the greatest nation in the world," everyone goes, "You, you, you shut down, sit up, a hole." But when Obama does it, it's okay. No, I don't think it's good for any anyone to say we're the best in the world. It's just this is not modern anymore. This is not modern speak. At a time when only about one percent of the American people bear the burden of our defense. Oh, I see. That's not true. We're, <laughs> and we're all leeching. We're just leeching off of the their true dedication. And that's not true. You're right. The service and sacrifice of our men and women in uniform isn't always readily apparent. And that's partly because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coast guardsmen are so skilled at what they do. It's also because those who serve tend to do so quietly. They don't seek the limelight. They don't serve for our admiration or even our gratitude. They risk their lives, and many give their lives, for something larger than themselves or any of us. See, that is also just not true anymore. I'm sorry. I speak to these men and women. It's a job. It's, it was probably the only job that they had in many, many cases, uh, or it's a, it's a family uh, legacy because you know, you've got families who are bakers and families who are... You know, military men and women, and it's a job. And right now, they hate you. They hate your guts. This is this. I'm I'm speaking on behalf of the American men and service women who tell me they hate you. They hate you for what you're making them do, for how long you're making them do it, for the unclear reasons that they're doing it, and you're screwing them right now for taking away their money. They do not like you, and this is not going over well, this little Heil speech of yours. The ideals of liberty and justice that make America a beacon of hope for the world. No, it's not a beacon of hope. You can't get in. you got to have Auschwitz, all kinds of papers. It costs thousands of dollars. And then you get in here, and then you're just treated like a slave. That's not true anymore. That's been true throughout our history. <laughs> Up until, like, George Bush the first, maybe. From our earliest days, when a tiny band of revolutionaries stood up to an empire... To our 9-11 generation, which... Oh, our 9-11 generation. There Ooh, it is. That's a good one. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. You're the 9-11... You used to be the Pepsi generation. Now you're the 9-11 generation, which means forever you will be, you will be terrorized by your government. The thought that if you don't stand up and if you don't have the ultimate dedication, like the 1% of the people who do, then you're just a leecher and you're not here for the best country in the universe. This makes me sick. Continues to serve and sacrifice today. Every time a threat has risen, Americans have risen to meet it. And because of that courage... That willingness to fight and even die, America endures. This, John, this is sickening. Tell me, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Not crazy. That is the purpose of Memorial Day. To remember, with gratitude, the countless men and women who gave their lives so we could know peace and live in freedom. <sighs> and we must do more than remember. We must care for the loved ones that our fallen service members have left behind. We must make sure all our veterans have the care and benefits they've earned and the jobs and opportunity they yeah, deserve. Well, then why don't you start doing that? We must be there for the military families whose loved ones are in harm's way, for they serve as well. And above all, we must make sure that the men and women of our armed forces have the support they need to achieve their missions safely at home and abroad. All right. 
So safely at home. Yeah, oh yeah, their mission safely what at home. What mission do we do they have at home? <laughs> Say well, let's listen again. The jobs and opportunity they deserve. We must be there for the military families whose loved ones are in harm's way, for they serve as well. And above all, we must make sure that the men and women of our armed forces have the support they need to achieve their mission safely at home and abroad. <laughs> yeah. The young men yeah. and women I met at the Naval Academy this week know the meaning of service. They've studied the heroes of our history. They've chosen to follow in their footsteps, to stand their watch, man a ship, lead a platoon. They are doing their part, and each of us must do ours. So this weekend, as we commemorate Memorial Day, I ask you yeah. to hold all our fallen heroes in your hearts. And every day, let's work together to preserve what their sacrifices achieved, to make our country even stronger, even more fair, even more free. Ah. That's our mission. It's our obligation. to make us more free. And it is our privilege as <laughs> yeah. the heirs of those Get to it. And more fair. came before us <laughs> as citizens of the United States of America. You know. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, thanks. Hey, thanks. Thanks, hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. Hi, hey, thanks. Hey, hey, thanks. Hey, okay, I'm done. Thanks. If at least he was honest and said, look, let me be clear. We make stuff that goes on the stuff, these strap on the stuff that kills stuff. And that's our business. All right. And that is what keeps our economy working. So that's why we got to put people everywhere so we can continue to sell well, stuff. We sell this stuff. This is what we make is what we sell. Curiously, I have a bunch of clips that address this. Oh, well, actually, hell? if I had clipped more really? from this guy, I would have addressed it even better. But I, I got I, just too many clips. But let me. This guy's Bruce Gagnon, who's an ex uh, young Republican turned radical uh, progressive Ooh. over the years, which is always interesting because you have these crazy perspectives. But here was the attention getter. This is a very short clip that got my attention, where I had to say, "Wait a minute." I got I got to listen to what this guy's got to say. This afternoon, I want to talk to you about the military industrial complex <laughs> corporate criminal syndicate. <laughs> Perfect. John, now, I just want the audience to know that at no point did you or I have any conversation about what I was going to discuss or what you were going to discuss. This is pure coincidence. No, we do this. Routinely, because we're essentially, uh, it's just a, this is what why the show is so good. We're two hearts beating as one. No, anything but that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so uh, this guy has this long speech where he goes on. And it, it, it went on for. I wish I could have just played the whole thing, but obviously I can't. So I'm going to to bring out a few of his top. This will be a build up to a couple of zingers at the end. But play Gangnam Two. But why? Why would the United States want to restart the Cold War with Russia? Why would we do that? Well, the only conclusion I can come to is because Russia has the world's largest supply of natural gas today and significant supplies of oil. And don't we know by now that the primary job of the Pentagon is to serve as the resource extraction service for corporate globalization? So how long has he been listening to the show? <laughs> 
He's actually got – here's the problem with this guy. Now, this is – I see this with the progressive side. If you take the, the far right and the far left, they kind of meet each other in the middle mm. curiously – or actually not in the middle but in the back mm. as they come around. And and the problem I'll tell you just – I don't have the clip of this, but when he, he finally summarizes what we can do to change things – his solution is to stop global warming and build oh, no. high-speed rail. That is like, whoa. No, no you, you have to get those clips. It was, it was, it was That's well, funny. Very verbose. But he's, he's right, of course. That is the answer to everything. <laughs> high-speed rail. So he's got a couple of theories that he brings up, and I'll try to just uh, explain them as we go along. But play the, uh, the offense clip part three. You know, Obama recently announced, just a couple months ago, a pivot of U.S. foreign and military policy into the Asian Pacific region. This is a part of a long-range plan that's been under development for some time. In 2001, the Washington Post reported in an article entitled, For the Pentagon, Asia Moving to the Forefront, that the U.S. was going to double its military presence in the Asia Pacific region. And as a result, you can imagine, the Pentagon will need more bases and more ports of call for its hugely expanding military in the Asia-Pacific. Obama followed this announcement of the pivot by going to Australia, where he negotiated a deal to send 2,500 U.S. Marines to Darwin on the north coast of Australia. Had you heard that Australia was in danger of being invaded by anyone? And so we had to send in the U.S. Marines to protect them? No, of course not. This is not about defense whatsoever. It's about offense. No, it's about sales. Well, uh, he, he explains it. He, he, he actually says that at some point, but we're going to go on because I got to get to this this la these last two clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play the encirclement of China, which is another one. These are all leading to the the clips I'm going to that are the are the uh, the punchlines. At the same time, the Obama administration is surrounding China with these missile defense systems, now putting ground-based launchers in Taiwan, in Japan in South Korea and just a few weeks ago announced that they would go into Okinawa. These Navy Aegis warships with missile defense systems on board are also going into Japan, South Korea, Australia, Guam, and Obama is negotiating with Vietnam, Singapore, the Philippines, and other countries in the region to move these warships into their countries, beginning this encirclement of China. That's what I'm going to be thinking about this Memorial Day weekend. The encirclement of China. Encirclement of China, China. and Russia. China. So now we get to the the meat of it. Now, mm. this little ditty is the one that got me. He had two things to say in this whole speech that I thought were interesting. And the first strike clip is one of the two. Each year, the Space Command annually war games a first strike attack on China set in the year 2016. They call it the red team versus the blue team. China today has 20 nuclear missiles capable of hitting the west coast of the United States. And in this computer war game, the United States tries to take out those 20 Chinese nuclear missiles. The first weapon they use is the successor to the shuttle. You've heard the shuttle is being retired. 
And in its place is being developed the military space plane that would fly down from orbit, drop a devastating attack, both either conventional or nuclear weapons, bunker busters that go under the ground, try to take out China's underground missile silos. And then they follow on with other weapon systems in that first strike attack. But in the computer war game, China is able to fire a few of its nuclear missiles in a retaliatory strike. And it is then that these so-called missile defense systems, what we call missile offense systems, are used. Their job, take out the remaining retaliatory capability, giving the U.S. a successful first strike attack. And so after the first strike sword lunges into the heart of China or Russia, the missile defense shield is used to take out their remaining retaliatory capability. And so, of course, this is why Russia is saying we're going to have to withdraw from the new START treaty because why do we want to reduce our numbers of nuclear weapons when you're surrounding us with missile offense systems? And China is saying that we're going to have to make our nuclear weapons survivable. And that's why they're buying submarines from Russia, so they can take their nuclear weapons and put them under the ocean where they can't be so easily taken out in a U.S. first strike attack. Can I uh, interject before you get to, your, uh, to the big punchline? Yeah. So what showed up in the Federal Register... An amendment to the International Traffic and Arms Regulations, the revision of U.S. munitions list category 15 and definition of defense service. So they changed some definitions. I'll just read this one little paragraph. As part of the president's export control reform effort, the Department of State proposes to amend the International Traffic and Arms Regulations to revise category 15 to describe more precisely the articles warranting control by the USML. The definition of defense service is to be revised to, among other changes, specifically include the furnishings of assistance for spacecraft. It's interesting. How often have I said that there's space wars going on right now as we speak? Well, actually, if you listen to this whole guy's speech, this whole speech from this person... Uh, he talks about this too, and mm-hmm. he talks about the space command and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And there's the a world. lot of stuff that you know he talks about. How you remember the you kid, know, the hacker who who found out that he he saw the Pentagon computer where it talked about who was on world and off world, right? The kid they wanted to extradite. This is this is real. So anyway, eventually it always becomes about the money. <laughs> Yay! No matter what <laughs> you want to believe. Yay! And so we have uh, <laughs> clip six, which uh, actually brings a lot of this. Uh, you know, he brings out the point that you know, Obama before he got elected promised he's going to take down these missile, the Bush missile defense stuff. Yeah, because they were old and outdated. We got to put in the new stuff. Well, that's essentially what this clip tells oh, us about. But this got a little another angle. Well, just. Prior to the 2008 election, a very dear friend of mine in Maine, an old man by the name of Herschel Sternlieb, 
said to me, Bruce, have you ever heard of the Crown family in Chicago? And I said, no. He said, go home and Google it. Crown. C-R-O-W-N. And so I did. And what I learned was that at the time of the election, the Crown family was the majority stockholders in General Dynamics Corporation that owns Bath Ironworks, where I live in Maine, that today is building these Navy Aegis destroyers with these so-called missile defense systems on board. And as it turned out, the Crown family collectively gave Obama $500,000 for his 2008 run for president. In fact, they also raised money for him within the military-industrial complex across the country. And so after the election was over and after Obama had won, Aviation Week and Space Technology magazine reported that Obama received more campaign donations from the military-industrial complex than the right-wing war hawk John McCain did in that presidential election. The Crown family... Because they believe in Barry. Because they love him. They think he's going to change everything, right? He is also a Jewish family and raised money for Obama nationally within the Jewish community. So remember what I said early on. Soon after Obama became president... He announced that Bush's version of missile defense that was supposed to go into Poland and the Czech Republic would not be deployed. And instead, he moved forward with a different version that benefited the General Dynamics Corporation. The version that Bush wanted to deploy was a Boeing Lockheed Martin version of missile defense. The cost of the standard, what they call DDG-51, Navy Aegis Destroyer, previously has been $1.5 billion each. A lot of money. But a new version is now, for the first time, being built at Bath Ironworks. In fact, the Navy didn't want this ship because it's so expensive that they said it was going to harm their shipbuilding budget. But Obama said, no, you have to build it. And just a few weeks ago, Associated Press reported that this new high-tech version of Aegis destroyers will cost somewhere between 4 and $7 billion per ship. <laughs> and so Obama clearly is rewarding the General Dynamics Corporation for helping to make him president of the United States of America. So how does he get from there to to high-speed rail? I mean, that's... (laughs) Well, yeah, he goes on and on with these stories. They're all... This is great. Where was this from? What what was this on? This was was on free speech TV, hence the... The buzzing. Do they do they not know grounding over there? They have no idea what a ground loop is. But free speech... What's that? Hold on. Is this available online, do you think? Speech TV. Probably. And the guy's name is Gagnon. Bruce Gagnon. He looks exactly like Larry David, the comedian. Interesting. Which makes it very difficult to watch him. And, uh, uh, oh, yes. Is that the keynote? Yeah, keynote at something. 
Uh, oh, fabulous! This is yeah, March thirty first. So this must be this must be what it is. Let me just check. And you just tell yeah. me if this is it, and I'll put it in the show notes. Because this is and, it was like an hour. Yeah, yeah, about an hour. It was good. I mean, but except then he came into the global warming thing. It was just like, how do you make that connection? That's the and it was it, the way he did it was so convoluted that it wasn't even uh, it wasn't clippable. And then high speed rail was the real eye roller because he apparently doesn't realize that high speed rail is a bigger bigger scam than the, than the whole boat thing. As yeah. we've discussed over the years, it's it's just a setup. So so uh, people like Warren Buffett can get free tracks. Do you think that maybe uh, him doing that is his way of not getting two to the head? Kind of like I talk about, you know, like I'm crazy. Who's going to get good from two to the head from who? From the environmentalists, no, so he no, won't get no, shouted no. down. Well, that may be part of it because you know the the left right now shouts you down. Yeah, they do. If you do not have, uh, if you don't follow their, they have their checklist. The right has its checklist. Both these checklists are terrible from both sides of the of the uh, argument. Checklist or hit list? What do you want to call it? Well, it's a checklist. Of, you have to follow these, or, or you won't get picked up. They won't oh, play right, right, your right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is dumb. You won't get to you won't be the Rand Paul at the at this dinner right. if you are not, you know, extolling certain things that right. the right right has exactly. on its checklist and the same thing with this guy. So exactly. I don't know. But exactly. I think he was sincere about the global warming and the trains. <laughs> we gotta get people out of the cars, he said, and put them in trains. I don't know about you, but once you get to the train station, you got to get a car again somehow. You can't no, I I, th- I think the the whole idea we we need these apps where people can you know hook themselves up and just it just just be you know it's just an app you know it's just a bunch of developers. This is the problem. You know? Right here's the problem with those apps that you're talking about the car. Uh, oh, I can tell you the problem. It, it'll get kicked out of the Apple Store. That's the problem. It'll get kicked out of the Apple Store there in San Francisco. They already have a law against it. You can't do it in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the local councilmen get pretty much uh, beaten up by the taxi guys. Well, that's like Air- taking our business away. That's like Airbnb is now outlawed, or that it, it is either is or about to be outlawed in New York. You cannot. I think it is. Um, and they're trying that in Austin too. We have we have friends who have a little chalet in the back. You know, <laughs> we call it a chalet. But basically, it's a shed that, that they made look real pretty. And you know, they rent it out for. Um, you know, it, it, I think it can be as much as like during South by is probably two hundred bucks a day, uh, and people gladly pay it. But you know, then all of a sudden the city shows up and it's like, well, you know, we got it unlicensed. Got to have an inspection done, and of course they can't have it inspected because it's you know it's not like a room in the house; it's a chalet, so you know it's it's not me- it's not fit for human consumption probably. So then they say, oh no, we're just having people in the house, and they inspect the house. The whole thing is crazy, and then they wind up paying a license fee, and that's just the beginning of the end. Whereas, yeah. shouldn't you? Shouldn't that just be up to you? Can't you just? If I want well, this is a government intrusion, as yeah. in the personal, you know, uh, personal Fr- freedom, blood. freedoms. Yeah, well, there's that. Uh, I was looking for the perfect word. Freedoms, freedom. Whatever the case is, yeah, government government intrusion on personal freedoms and your ability to just act outside the government, where the government's not, you know, checking in on everything you do. And of course, the government argues that it's protecting the poor, innocent idiot yeah. who uses Airbnb unknowingly 
you know, there could be a cockroach in the place or it might be unstable or it could catch on fire. And we're, you know, the first and, and their argument would be, well, you know, the first one of these places that catches on fire and kills the guy who used Airbnb, they're going to blame us. Right. And, you know, they always say this is the common. It's like this is the essentially the how far we've gotten with if you're chewing gum in class. If I let you chew gum in class, that means I have to let everybody chew gum in class. You know, if I let you do that one thing, then I have to let everybody do that one thing, which is the which is illogical if you think about it, because not everybody wants to do that one thing, whatever it is. This is this is the problem with all this stuff, and I think you hit the nail on the head, which is that instead of bypassing, and when you try to bypass with these apps. Yep. You end up getting arrested, Booted. <laughs> busted by, by the government. Arrested, yes. Yeah, yeah. you'll get arrested. Well, maybe oh, it's uh, illegal cab service. Maybe it's time to read this then. Adam's gonna read his email. Is this the fast one? On the No Agenda Show. You actually told me I should read this on the show. Yeah, the one that, yeah, I did. Yes, yeah, it's from Sir Jim of Jamaica Plains. Jamaica Plain, I'm sorry, not Plains, Jamaica Plain. Uh, on the May 23rd No Agenda podcast, while discussing the growing concern that some Americans have to even contribute to the No Agenda show because of security checks, you mused about what parallels there might have been in Germany in the 1930s. This is indeed, you know, you said, what was it like at the dinner table in the 30s? When uh, Hitler was uh, coming into political power and things were changing. So uh, Sir Jim, who I've met Sir Jim, nice guy. He would be the first one on the train, by the way. Uh, the best treatment of this subject that I have read is, attention, No Agenda Book Club, In the Garden of Beasts by Eric Larson. And this is in the show notes, which tells us, it tells uh, the story of Germany's slide into fascism through the eyes of the U.S. ambassador William Dodd and his family. One of the most inspired pieces of population control developed by the regime was the Hitler salute, which started as a military salute among soldiers and was quickly mandated for all German civilians. Heil, everybody. All greetings between German citizens had to include the Heil Hitler and the extended arm salute. <laughs> I didn't know it was mandatory. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Imagine you can get people it's to like do this. like on slamming their fist into their heart. Only non-Germans were exempted from the requirement. The book tells the story of the well-known U.S. columnist commentator H.V. Kaltenborn, a German apologist and Roosevelt opponent. While in Berlin, he and his family were attacked on the street because they failed to salute a group of uh, soldiers marching down the street. A fluent German speaker, Kaltenborn, told the soldiers he was an American, but they roughed him up anyway. It's no wonder that everyone fa falls in line faced with the continuous requirement brutally enforced for these very public demonstrations of obedience. Having read extensively about the German experience through the th throughout the 30s, it makes me very uneasy to see our subtle but steady progress down this road. Zero tolerance policies of various types, corporate mandated politically correct language, schooling, security theater in the airports, continuous video and phone monitoring, the redefinition of constitutional rights to cultural monitoring. Uh, we are creating the same environment of being continuously watched and evaluated for appropriate thinking and behavior. 
I wonder where it all could lead if only we had a previous example. Was signed, Sir Jim of Jamaica Plain, new home, Auschwitz. <laughs> where are you going, Jim? Okay, that's drone talk. <laughs> drone talk. That's drone talk. <laughs> that's just drone talk. It's a beautiful note, and thank you. And I, I picked the book up, and I have started reading it. I'm gonna I'm, now. I'm gonna be reading it uh, probably tomorrow. I'll finish it. Um, and you know how little we know of history, how little we we remember, how little we're taught, really, of history. We're taught next to nothing nowadays. I think that even my generation, which is the pre nine eleven generation, I don't know what I what what was I. What generation? I'm the Pepsi you're generation. Gen, I think. I'm not, no, please. Oh, you're a late baby boomer. I'm the Pepsi generation. Okay, that's what you're I saying. am. The I truly am the Pepsi generation, where we were born into a world of, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And that, of course, is a Coke commercial. Yes. That, uh, well, but they call the it Pepsi the Pepsi generation singing a Coke song. Mm. That's how confused we are. Yeah. Well, there's that. Um, well, now you've messed with my head. <laughs> You're now confused. Yes. <laughs> so uh, here's a, just a little short thing. I want to remind people that when we do these analysis, there's, there's other podcasts you can listen to. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Uh, I have a couple here, but I'm going to play this one, which is, I think, the most awkward podcast ever. You could be listening to this instead of No Agenda. Recording now. Hello, everybody. Hey. What's up? My name's sub to me for a review, and uh, this is my channel probably. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to upload. It might also be my channel. I don't know. It, it's not going to be Seamus' channel. I might upload as well. You can't stop me. Huh? So, guys, uh, stay, say your names. Wait, press the button. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm What Tom. button? I'm talking to Connor. How do I tell Joe? Hello. I don't think it hurt him. Yeah, I don't think it did either. Yeah. Wow, this is the most awkward. This is the most awkward. Hello. <laughs> yeah, that was Connor just there. Yeah, this this is the most awkward podcast ever. This is this is mine now. You can't you can't do anything about it. Come on, come at me, bro. What did he say? You can't command me, bro? I guess or something. <laughs> yes. Well th- th- yes that's true, John. I don't think they're, they're quite there yet. Not quite at the level of... The best podcast in the universe! <laughs> uh, it's funny, because I was going to uh, read a, a quick note um, as we lead into our, uh, our thankful segment here. And this is producer Matt, who has been trying. He's been following up on your advice, and he's been trying to listen to other podcasts. And he has come back with a report. And? Uh, Adam and John, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. As you suggested lately, I've heard on several of them claim in one way or another that conspiracy theories are not real. The most recent Penn's Sunday School with Penn Gillette has Penn and his co-host debunking JFK assassination conspiracy theories and claiming the official report was factual. They also mocked the moon landing and 9-11 conspiracy theories They then went on to mock Jesse Ventura for being able to back up his claims. Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan Experience has been talking about supporting the TSA and claiming that conspiracy theories about the government are silly, even though he spent last weekend on Mount Rainier looking for Bigfoot. 
On the latest tweet, Leo and his guests bring up that it's hard to believe in conspiracies because it's hard to believe that people are smart enough to pull them off. And on the Adam Carolla show, Adam and the others have been talking about how conspiracy theories aren't real because Nixon couldn't even pull off Watergate. So if they can't even do that, how can 9-11 or JFK assassination be staged? The fact that people don't agree with conspiracy theories doesn't surprise me, but all this being talked about on various shows during the same week got my attention. <laughs> yes. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. In the morning. It's a conspiracy about conspiracies. I kind of like that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, that's a meta conspiracy. It's a meta conspiracy. Thank you, Matt. So, I want to thank a few people, including, including Sir Papsmere <laughs> in Eaglemont. Uh, and he's uh, got a birthday coming up. I hope that's yeah, on the list. Yeah, he's on the list. He's on the list for sure. Monica Lansing in Drayton, Alberta. Drayton Valley, Alberta, where all of the money is. One thirty-three thirty-three. 3333 She said that she knew it was time to donate when she saw a bunch of threes in her bank account. That's always the clue right there. I think so. Tease Burrell. Or Tice. I would Eindhoven. say Tice. Tice. In Eindhoven. Uh, 111.11. It's interesting that the, we seem to have hit a nerve. I think that Euroland is, you know, the, the, the lowland somehow. Something happened there because we get a whole bunch of donations. People are emailing me. I, I, I think it's about the snap there. Something, something bad's coming down soon. That's a possibility. Sir Jason Stevens in Lost Wages, Nevada, $111.11. Jason Richmond in Redford, Michigan, $100. It came in as a check. Andrew Capel in Lara, Victoria, uh, says it's an overdue donation after listening for five years and being called out by Dario Gonzalez as a douchebag. Yeah. So anyway, he wants to thank his wife, Isis. Well, and he needs a de-douching then. That's, uh, that's only fair. You've been de-douched. We'll have a uh, karma shot at the end. Well, I'll give it now. You've uh, got but I already karma. hit the button. I already hit the button. Yeah, you hit the button. You hit the button. Ready? Hit yeah. this button. Sam Manor. <laughs> Not that button. Box Hill, Victoria. Box Hill, South something or other. Victoria. 6969 button. Oh, that one. 6969, dude. I had it ready. He's also calling out Fast Eddie as a douchebag. There we go. Douchebag. David Galloway, Flower Mound, Texas. Uh, 6969, keep up the great work. And Sir Pate in Amsterdam, 6969. Uh, he got my first quit your day job payment. Time to redeem the karma. Could you please run if you wake up with the blues jingle? Uh, I think is that that's so far. I forgot what that was. Children, it's a Sunday that one? Morning, no, no, that's not it. Oh, no, no, I know what he means. Hold on. No. I know what he means. It's this one. If you wake up with the blues, trying to fill your day with news, there's one thing you must remember, no agenda in the morning. For a healthy, balanced news diet, try noagendashow.com. Russ, uh, in Wildwood, Missouri, uh, wishes oh, hold the sun on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have to close out the Swazilnoff segment. Oh, yeah, we do. It's very short. 69, 69, 
It's only it's, three. It's so almost it's gone. Getting down to a crucial. <laughs> it's almost gone. Do you have Alex on the list for a birthday call? Uh, I do. Uh, and then an do- anonymous donation, fifty-one fifty. He wants to call out uh, douchebags, boners, non-donors. Louis Philippe Paredes, Rudolf Vanek. I guess should be getting douchebag call out. Douchebag. There you go. Okay. Uh, finally, we've got uh, Michael Hassenkamp. Oh, came up with a check, 50. Shad Rich in Seattle, Washington, 50. Joshua Corby, Oakley, California, 50. And we have another birthday. Natalie, is she on yep, the list? Yep, she's on the list. Mm. Andy Wyatt, Santa, I was hoping that he's not one more on the list so you could grouse at me. Andy Wyatt, <laughs> San Antonio, Texas, 50. <laughs> I don't grouse. I, gr- I grouse at your your It's a your, your, co- your colleagues, your coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley Walker, Spring, Texas, nice town, by the way. And Kyle Ferenz in Toronto, Ontario, 50. So you kind of fooled me because I thought, wow, everyone really stepped up. But these are checks that have been lying around for months. You <laughs> well, just, maybe. What you did is like, oh, I don't want Adam to be pissed off. Let me just let me just collect all the checks. Actually, that's not true. These checks just came in. Oh, okay. So because uh, I've, I've been – I try to get to the bank every couple of weeks uh, to put the checks in and if it's – gets too long and then it's anyway it's a long story but no these are all new so that these are all legit so i want to thank everybody who donated to help us out on show 516 and um we have i guess a generalized karma we can give everyone yes of course and that is not just for people at uh, 50 or above everyone but everybody and uh it is always so nice to see people who say you know uh, hey you know at times are tough I'm just getting by, but I did jump on board with the 3333, a 1212, and 1111, uh, five. We still have lots of people who are at the four level. They will go away eventually because. Well, the fours are, don't forget, that's a weekly donation. Oh, oh, that's right. So that. Uh, the oh. five, the ones that are, that are faded, and five, I think, and right. we have none today, are the original, original five years ago. Right. Two dollar donation. Right. Now, uh, let me see. Do we have. Uh, no, there's no two dollar donations. No, those I are gone. That, I think that's over. Um, but we do, do we do this on a value for value basis, and we understand that times are tough. <laughs> this, that's obvious. So it means a lot. It really does. And please do email me. Uh, I, I, I'm, I always email people back when they say, "Hey, you know, we, we just jumped on. It's been been listening for a while. Been a douchebag pre donor, as we call it." And um, uh, and let us know. We really we really do appreciate it. And uh, for all of you, here is a well deserved Memorial Day weekend karma. You've got karma. There you go. And uh, to help us out for this coming Thursday, which uh, will once again be chock full of analysis and uh, hum. I'm sure lots of hum from Free Speech TV. Does anyone even watch? Free, are you the only? Are you the guy that watches Free Speech TV? <laughs> that's good. No, that's I'm, I'm, I, yeah. Your habits are uh, uh, amendable. Amendable. Yeah. Amendable. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're amendable. <laughs> <laughs> Knights checking in. Sir Atomic Rod Adams uh, congratulates. Brand new human resource. Uh, born on the 23rd. I guess his, uh, his grandchild and we're very happy to welcome to the family. Sir Papsmere congratulates himself. Turned 37 on the 23rd. <coughs> Russ and Walwood 
Happy birthday to his son, Alex. He turns 15 tomorrow. Welcome to the big leagues, Alex. The big leagues of the true human resources of Gitmo Nation. And Joshua Corby congratulates his wife, Natalie. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the best podcast in the universe. It's your birthday, yeah. Yeah. So I do listen to other things. And so I'm listening to uh, that maniac, and I don't know why they keep him on the air. And I, I and he's something's going to happen to him because he's so con- self contradictory in the way he approaches uh, news analysis. Who's this? That it's like you're saying one thing, you're saying something else. Ed Schwartz. Oh, what, now what is he on? He must be at MSNBC. Yeah, of course. Right. And uh, so Ed Schwartz comes out with a rant. All he does is rant against the Republicans, and he just bitches and moans about the Republicans. But he doesn't seem to get his. I, I think his facts are crooked, and he's ranting about it. I don't know what. But play these two clips. This is just two clips of Ed going off the deep end, blaming the Republicans for the – here's what it was stems from. There was a bunch of Republicans, or I guess just people in Congress saying, the heroes in that school that got decimated in Oklahoma, they're, 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 these teachers were heroes. And he's all upset about them calling them heroes because he says they're heroes all the time, and they're always trying to take their money away from them, and they're – you know, and they're trying to start private schools, even though I have to say private schools are filled with teachers that probably get paid more. And that might be a benefit. But anyway, let's play clip one. Realize that there are heroes in classrooms every day in every school across America. But when it comes time to talk about their pay or better health care or their pension or even protecting their pension. Whoa, we don't hear any hero talk then, do we? They're a bunch of union thugs. They're a bunch of underachievers, people that you would never think would step up during a disaster and save a kid's life. No, they're only heroes when they do that. A White House report shows that roughly 300,000 education jobs have been cut since 2009. 300,000? Is that going forward or backward, you think? They're Republican budget cuts is what they are. Along with the recession, no doubt, it has created a very toxic environment for teachers in their profession. And right now, ground zero, you could say, is Chicago. The Chicago public schools are ground zero. The battle to protect our teachers and save an American institution. This week, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, he's the expert, you know, he handpicks the Chicago school board, voted to close 50 schools. It is the largest round of school closures ever to hit this country. And there is no denying that the closings hurt poor African-American neighborhoods and African-American <laughs> American kids. Now, the Chicago Sun-Times reported that uh, 9 out of 10 students affected by these closings are black. Does this seem weird to you? Does he know that Rahm Emanuel is like not only a Democrat but worked in the Obama administration, or is he like? Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Hmm. I mean, I just find this. This is what I, what I talk about when I talk about the short-circuited. Yeah, no, uh, that's what. That's exactly what it is. It, his brain is fried. It's, it's, he's gone loopy. Yeah, and so he, he, but he can't let up. So he goes back, and it, with part two here, which is a, I guess it's longer or shorter. I can't tell shorter. Um, and it's the same thing. We see this so often with all these politically driven people. They are they they have their minds are are scrambled by the self contradictory nature of their arguments. 
I have to ask you tonight, folks, what do uh, all of these governors have in common? <laughs> they are Republicans. They yeah. hate public education. They want to voucher Medicare. They want to voucher health care. They want to voucher public education. They don't mind if some kids fail. You know that currently 13 states have some form of a voucher program. Make no mistake, these vouchers are, con it's a conservative plot to privatize education. These vouchers are going to leave kids behind. It will funnel public education funds right into private schools. Why? Because these people think they're going to be better. It is unfair. It's racist. And in some courts, it's been ruled unconstitutional. And so when I start hearing all this talk about heroes, the teachers are are heroes. They're heroes at shootings. They're heroes at tornadoes. No, they're heroes every damn day because they're putting up with an ideology that is attacking them. <laughs> That's a good one. So this is, all, of course, all under the aegis of NBC, which is really an uh, arm of General Electric still. Even right, right, right. Comcast owns it mostly. And so the kind of thing you find on NBC showing the kind of overall naivete of the network is ads like Find a Forest Near You. The forest is a magical place for your whole family with animals and fun all around. So discover the forest and explore all the wonder that's there. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you. <laughs> I got a forest right here in between my, in my pants. Hold on, look at this. Look at this. To find this. a forest near you. I mean, are you kidding me? Wait a minute. What is it? Findaforest.org? Let's see. So you can find a forest on, near you, you idiot. Hold on. Let me find a forest. I, I still... Hey. Uh, it, it, Google is suggesting find a florist. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Find a for Did I misspell it? Find a forest. Oh, it's discover the forest. That's not what he said, though. No, he said find a forest.org, didn't he? Oh, let me check. That's there. Discover the forest. Let's see. Uh, within 15 miles. Let me do my zip code. Okay. This is another one of those $8 million websites. Waste of money, as usual. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I can oh, all these activities. Okay, let's go. Oh, wow. Oh, we got lots of forest around here. Of yeah. course, it's Austin. You have to Austin. Are you kidding me? They have an app, too. The Nature Find app. Who, uh, who, uh, who... Who's paying for this? Ad Council. Eh, of course. It's a PSA. Yeah, it's a, it's a PSA. Yeah. So that's... Well, the, wor the worst PSA, mm -hmm. the one that came up, is one of the house ads where they have the more you know. Oh, yeah. This is an old campaign, by the way. Yeah. Well, they got new versions of it for uh, children's programming hour. You know, uh, uh, you know, I watched Smash, which uh, I think uh, the season's ended, and they ke they keep putting... Um, the the girl who plays Marilyn, she does a couple of these. The more you know, and I I should have recorded it because we could do a great segment. Mickey and I will sit there and go like, "What the fuck is that?" It's like, well, what? if you think that's crazy, listen to this one. Do you know what's super cool about having your own plate? It's all yours, and it's small like you. So the grown-ups won't use it, and it's the perfect size for the perfect portion to keep you healthy. You'll love your super cool smaller plate. The more you know. Have the small plate, slave, and shut up. <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> you need a small plate. This is this is this is it. This is 1930s. 
This is, we're sitting around the table. Fritz, you need a smaller plate. So you won't become fat and you can't you can't fight in the army. Heil Hitler. Heil Fritz. <laughs> this is exactly it. Are we just doomed to repeat history? Apparently. As America, how is it possible? How can we have, how can it get this far? I know, I think this is why we're not doing anything with our infrastructure because we expect it all to be blowed up in like some massive war between China, Russia, us, and who knows who. Well, it's about time. Oh, well, it's about time we get some new stuff. Wow. Yeah. By the way, um, from the uh, crackpot files, you know, Russia had this huge uh, offshore earthquake, although who knows what an 8.5 is anymore. It could, yeah, just, could, just, could just be your teeth rattling or something. Uh, or maybe it was 8.9. There is word on the... Uh, I should read this to you because it's kind of funny. Uh, let me see. It was called Alert, Alert. Uh, here it is, Alerts. Um, <clears throat> no, this is U.S. Forest Service partnering with the Ad Council. So word this is, is public money. Anyway, go on. Word is uh, California... Is about to get the big one. <laughs> I love it when this is predicted. This says, this what what year has this not been predicted? <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's time once again. Um, and people, the elites apparently are moving out of the San Jose area. No, they're not. Uh, okay, taking them away just for the long weekend. Okay, I mean you don't don't put it in the book. By the way, there was a story. Um, and I don't, you know, I lived in uh, in San Francisco for a while, and certainly visited quite a bit. And it was a story, I think, in the Guardian about the private shuttle buses for the Google and Twitter and Apple workers. Yeah, that drive the city and pick the elites up, and then drive yeah. them to work. And that people are getting pissed off at this. Well, it's because there's so many of them. Well, yeah, but you know, the, the but the public, I think, also because. Parking for regular slaves is twenty five cents per thirty seconds. The public transportation is atrocious, and um, I think if you see one of these buses, one of these Google or Twitter buses, you should need to egg it. Yeah, we should be egging these buses. Yeah, this the elites with their Wi Fi, air conditioned buses, floating on by you little slavelets as they shower their trinkets of free services on you. And let me make the calculation. What is it? One, I think um, Tumblr claims 150 million users. Let's say it's 50. Let's just say it's 50. That would be a lot. 50, real, 50 million real users. Right, not just somebody who wandered by, signed up, and then never returned, which is generally what these what numbers most are. most of them are. So if we take... Uh, six. So we take one billion. Well, actually, it's one point one. So one, 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 two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Divided by fifty. One, two, three, four, five, six. So does that mean that you were worth twenty-two bucks, or is it two hundred and twenty bucks? Well, generally speaking, what well, do the reverse calculation? You can figure it out. So, what's fifty million times twenty times ten is five hundred times twenty would be a billion. Yeah, so it'd be about twenty-two bucks. Right. So, um, so, so that, but that's what you are worth to Yahoo. 
if you yeah. have a Tumblr right. account and you that, use that's it. That's not a bad number, by the way. No, but the I number just, of values. But I just uh, want people to understand that's how that value is actually determined. Right. That's how it's done. So you know, thank you for your twenty bucks that you, the citizen, that have now been sold off with your yeah, work, yeah. your content, your ideas, your thoughts, your posts, your all research, free, yeah. you, all they for gave free. Gave it away. Gave it away. And, and, and now then, you have, but you end up with a surplus. So you're worth twenty dollars because you're you're <laughs> a, a, a guy who gives away content. Yeah. And so they took you, packaged you up. Yes. This is the way magazines and newspapers and all these websites that sell advertising do the same thing, which is what we don't do, by the way. And I want to encourage people to remember that. Yeah. Uh, that you're not the product. No, you you have a stake in this show. That's what you have. And there's there's never going to be a moment where someone's going to come along and say, Adam and John, we're buying your show. <laughs> that's that's. I would guarantee that. <laughs> I think we can put that in writing. We're buying your show. Let me see. How many tens of listeners do you have? Hmm. So it's just, yeah. And then these, well, of course, they're a New York-based company. But it's the idea of it all. You know, it's the idea. It's uh, going back to what I said earlier. How insane are you? Or are we, really, collectively? It's funny. Mickey was convinced that you friended her on Facebook. Funny. There's this dude who has a profile, and it's basically your picture, but all like made weird, kind of which you know, like like photoshopped, grungy, crunchy, and the name is like John Vorjak, you know, like some bastardization. And she accepted the friend request. She's like, "Oh, I think John uh, friended me with a secret Facebook account." I said, "Let me tell you one thing: this man does not have a Facebook account." He really, really, really doesn't. She's like, are you sure? Are you so sure? Said, Absolutely. Because she thought it was brilliant. It was like, you know, it was like stealthy. It's like, no. I don't have time for that kind of game. No. Uh, exactly. I mean, besides that, I give my, my social networks are LinkedIn and Twitter. That's what I use. I, I, do I have to be a part of every social network? No, you don't. And people are, oh, join me at the Bombastic. Uh, join me at Clout. Do you know it what was my, one thing after another? You know I mean, my, it's ridiculous. You'd be spending all your time joining these idiotic things, and it's usually useless. I'm leaving uh, everything, and I'm uh, I, after the show today. I'm completing my uh, my sign up and uh, configuration of my new social network. PSK mail. PSK net. PSK mail. PSK mail. Yes. What does that mean? Well, it's a, it's the name of a program, PSK Mail. It's a social network which uh, functions only with uh, uh, high frequency ham radios. Oh, <laughs> PSK phase shift. Uh, PSK phase shift. What's keying. The K? Keying. Yes, thank you. Phase shift keying, and uh, it's it it does connect to the internet, but uh, it it also it doesn't need it, so you can still uh, communicate. And there's servers all over the world. It's all Unix based stuff. And you can hit one of these servers. PSK mail. They have a wikispaces.com entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a real deal. Yeah. You, you could do APRS messages. So you could communicate. You can even, you can actually tweet from this as well. It does connect to the internet. But if the internet falls away, then it's the, the, the network is still in place. So I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, you can still communicate. Yeah, I can't Help w- me. I'm in Austin. <laughs> send, send seeds. So there was an <laughs> interesting thing that happened this week with David Koch. <laughs> Hold on a second. A chat room that is PSK Mail M 
A I L. They all think I'm like I'm a some gay some network. Gay. <laughs> hey, I'm joining PSK Mail. Okay, leave me alone, Dutch. So David Ka- <laughs> Coke, Le Coke Bro. So he's was like he's the, one of the major donors to public radio. Yeah, I, I I read this story. This was uh, what was it, what was this in? It was in the New Yorker. Oh, apparently, what they did funny. was they they decided funny. to do a the. the Somebody did a documentary that essentially just slammed the crap out of him do you personally. Have, do, you have a cli- a, do you have a clip for this? or No, I have no clip. I'm okay. just going to explain it's it. It's funny. I like it. Good story, yeah. And one of the reasons that I'm telling this story, because this is another example of why our model for uh, survival is better than you know this other version, because the PBS was torn about running the documentary on, especially he, like he's on the board of WNET and he's a big supporter. He's given hundreds of millions of dollars to public radio and public TV. I don't know if and it's they, hundreds so of millions, a, but it's a, a lot. A hit piece on him on one of his companies that he's like on the board of. Well, hold on, hold on. I understood that it was partially a hit piece on the building that he lives in, and it turns out that there's a whole bunch of other Democrat elites who live in the same building. Because, of course, no, the, there the, is that, but the they, true they, rich people are Democrats. Right, that proves that, that's for sure. But yeah, it was 7040 Park Avenue, I believe. But anyway, there, there was a bunch of very nasty stuff about him being a douchebag, essentially. Yeah. And so he just pulls the plug. He said, fuck it, I quit this, I quit WNAT. I'm not giving you any more money, you know, if you're going to pull this crap. And so everybody goes on and on about, oh, this just proves that, you know, they've got great moral standards at these networks. And this is what the New Yorker essentially concluded because they had a choice between one of their supporters, big time sponsor, and, and the hit piece. <laughs> and so they chose the hit piece and got rid of him. He left. Yeah. I saw it completely differently. They have never done anything like this to their other big supporters, Bank of America, Chevron. Arthur Daniels uh, Midland, Monsanto. Uh, BNSF, uh, the Burlington Northern, any of these guys, which are have a, you know, they have a liberal bias. So they got the one guy who has a right-wing bias. They do a hit on him, yep. get him out of there, but, and then they take all this. They, they feel so good about themselves, even though for all practical purposes, most of public television is anti I mean, we know this. It's it's anti-right. It's very pro. It's very liberal, very corny, the whole thing. <laughs> it's corny. And so this is not st- stepping up. <laughs> it's corny. It's yeah. corny. Hey, Come have, on. It's corny. Hey, did, uh, did you – I mean, there was a, a pretty interesting little protest that happened over the uh, over the weekend. What? You, oh, this wasn't on public television? Monsanto. Uh, I didn't see it on public wow, television. Wow. There was like 40 countries. And these were real pro- – I got a little roundup here. Uh, of course, you you may not see this on uh, on public television. I believe Monsanto is a big supporter of PBS. Am I wrong? I, I've seen them support oh, yeah. many, yeah. many times. Uh, so here's a little roundup. I think I've got some Seattle and some Canadian news. Uh, and you can tell that these protests were real and from the heart because the signs were not professional. That's how it usually works with real protests. So there's yeah. no organization behind them other than citizens who are just mad. This March, one of hundreds of rallies scheduled across the U.S. today. A March organizer hopes voters will support Initiative 522 in November, which would require labels on genetically altered foods. Demonstrators say Monsanto and other agrochemical companies do their own testing of seeds. Save 
and they don't allow independent testing of their seed without their permission. And so this is an important thing that we want, is to be able to know what's in our food, examine what's in our food, demand testing, demand accountability. Monsanto says its seeds help farmers produce more food while conserving water and energy. Hundreds of protesters marched in downtown Vancouver against genetically modified foods. Demonstrators say they want to highlight the dangers posed by those foods and the companies that produce them, including seed giant Monsanto. Similar marches were held in more than 50 countries around the world. Well, Seattle police are looking to see if there's a link between today's smelly envelope scare at a downtown grocery store and a protest against a controversial food maker. Everyone inside the Whole Foods near Westlake and Denny were evacuated this afternoon after two letters were found that had notes written on them and they smelled like rotten eggs. <laughs> today's protest march in downtown Seattle against Monsanto started to... That, by the way, is a funny protest. That's the stuff that you need to be doing. It's rotten egg smells. Oh and this my God, there's rotten eggs. Clear out the place. This would be poisonous. The park and ended near the Seattle Center. <laughs> and there were other protests against Monsanto. They took place in more than 36 countries and 250 U.S. cities today. Organizers say they're calling attention to the dangers of genetically modified food and the companies that produce it. Genetically modified plants are grown from seeds engineered to resist insecticides and herbicides and also improve crop yields. Opponents believe they can lead to health <laughs> problems and also harm the environment, but the federal government and many scientists counter that the technology is safe. So uh, there was not a lot of this on the big networks uh, or any of the cable news networks. You know, instead, we just have to have incessant over and over again of people standing next to rubble. <sighs> I get it. Yeah. You know, or it's, it's soldier yeah. or that other story that you've you uh, the dog and news. the guy was left. And then we got a football player and other presidents. Oh, don't forget Sunday night. There's going to be the Liberace movie. <laughs> the Liberace movie. Oh, you don't know about this? Oh, this is the I think oh, you can watch any oh, news no. show. That's oh, all no. they talk about. Oh, yes. No, I saw. I can't wait to see this. This is Matt Damon and uh, Douglas. Michael, and Michael Douglas. Douglas. Oh, I'll watch that. Behind the Candelabra. It's on. Isn't it on HBO? Yeah, because yeah. no American distributor would take the movie. <laughs> it, it looks it's super playing cheesy. playing in theaters in Europe. It looks super cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks cheesy to me, too. And that's like, I was thinking about this. They're talking, oh, no American distributor. I'm looking at what I've seen, the trailer. I'm thinking... I can see why. Yeah. Nobody's going to go to a theater to watch cheesy. this TV movie. I would. It's probably like Liz and Dick, only a little bit better. Uh, right. By the way, staying on the Monsanto thing, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, there's a big port. And, uh, you know, people are dying there from some mysterious respiratory disease. I think seven or eight people have died already. Huh. And the theory I'm hearing is that the um, because of the weather... The cotton is a little late this year, but that it's Monsanto cotton seed, and this is getting into people's lungs, and they're and they're dying from it. Now, this could obviously be an anti-Monsanto planted story, uh, but I think it does warrant looking at. Huh? Well, who knows what that stuff would do to you? Right. Yeah, no. This is not it good It definitely stuff. needs to be looked into. Meanwhile, in Toronto... I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. As for a video, I cannot comment on a video that I have never seen or does not exist. That's the mayor. We got shitty mayors compared to Toronto. 
At least they got guys. <laughs> Did you hear about this? <laughs> Borderline clip of the day. This guy, so the, apparently, this is great. <laughs> There's a video of the mayor of Toronto smoking crack with crack dealers. and uh, But the person who has this video you know, won't sell it unless it's like, like $200,000 or whatever. But listen to what he says. I do not use crack cocaine. He says, I do not. You didn't say I didn't. He says, I do not use. Nor am I an addict. Nor am I an addict. But he. Like, this is like, dude, nor am I an addict. This is like, I didn't do, I didn't shoot her in the head. And <laughs> I didn't, uh, I'm not a good shot. I think it's funny. <laughs> like, if only, if, you know, if he would just say, yeah, I smoked that crack. So what? What's your problem? Is the city running? Are the trains on time? <laughs> what is your problem? I got a couple of uh, little zingers here. You know Stephanie Miller? Yeah, she's the one that was... Isn't she the one from the New York Times? Or No, well, I, I only know her because uh, on... I think on HLN... No. What is the other CNN? Maybe it is HLN. Headline News or whatever. In the morning, she has a radio show. In the morning? Yes. And then she, but not. Oh, her, But yeah. not like. In the morning. No, she's a, she's a uh, she touts her uh, lesbianity a lot. Yeah, she is like in the same league as uh, I think Randy Rhodes and some of these other kind right. of right. commentators. Right. She's, she's, she's a hilarious kind of a semi-comedic uh, uh, Obama bot. Yeah, a total Obama bot and uses a lot of sound effects. Oh well, that's always a good side to everything. Yeah, and uh, but she also, because of her Obama botanist, shows up on uh, you know MSNBC, and then and she, and then she looks, she really cleans up well from the morning show. You know, her hair is all nice and pretty, and she just she she still has kind of like a mean a mean glint in her eye because she just she's yeah um, she's a douchebag. Yeah, maybe. Is she just, I think so. She's got that mean streak in her, and then she's a, and she's just lockstep Obama bot. I, I don't like her. Yeah, me neither. And so, so Anthony Weiner, of course, uh, is uh, is really going to run for New York mayor. He's announced, and he's done this video. Where he's like, "Hey, I'm hey, I'm sorry." And it, and and it, you have to, you might actually want to go to to uh, WienerForMayor dot org or whatever it is, because you see uh, Uma. His wife uh, uh, sitting next to him on the stoop as he's saying whatever he's bullcrappy spouting, and you see her look in the camera, but for a second her eyes flash off to the right. You know, almost yeah. like am I I'm doing watching it? the video now? At the, at, it's the very end. At the very end, where he's got the little baby eating strawberries. No, 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 holding no, the no, baby. no, no, no. Go to the end. Go to the very end, and watch. Where they're sitting on the stoop, the front stoop, and he's saying, "Hey, you know, I hey, I messed up, I know, but I I want to be a good mayor." And she says something, but she her eyes dart off to the right for a second, telling me that she's that they're holding her at gunpoint. <laughs> watch, 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 watch. Do you see I'm it? Watching. The very end. Blah 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 blah. He's standing blah, up, and they're sitting down. You have to you see her eyes wiggle back and forth. Yeah, yeah, no. It, but look at that. Clo- she's like, it's a dart. It's like, yeah, it was a quick dart. Did I say it, it right? Like did, I, did I say it right? Did I say it right? Did I say it right? So anyway, so back to yeah, Stephanie I Miller. See that. So, so of course, um, he's powerful. <coughs> Wiener is powerful because 
He's he's Clinton's boy, and the only thing he did wrong is he screwed it up because, well, you know, my my theory is Uma has been uh, Hillary's lover for many, many years. Right, and he's a beard. And he's the beard, and the only reason that uh, all he had to do was just keep his penis in his pants, which arguably he kind of did, but not mess up, and then he would, you know, he was he'd go on to greatness, and he was a congressman. He well, went. He from, was set up to take Schumer's position in the totally. Senate. He was totally set up. And again, I know the guy. I met the guy when he was a councilman. He's an insincere douchebag. And uh, but here is Stephanie Miller apologizing. And I don't care what he tweets, but he lied. Okay, the the thing that is being overlooked is he's a liar. Do you buy that apology? Second chance for Mr. Weiner. I guess so. You know, Aaron, it seems to me he wasn't really, uh, he didn't really do anything in terms of actual infidelity. He was sort of convicted of being in eighth grade. Uh, I don't know. It just seems to me like it's more of a guy thing than a partisan thing. Which middle school don't did you, you go like, to, I, Stephanie? I, I just think it's a guy thing, and people are like, Oof. well, all right, if his wife forgives him, I guess I do. So I, I, the guy, one of the guys said, what middle school did you go to where that was okay? But the, but the point is, he lied. I mean, have we forgotten already how he stood there and lied? And he lied to Brolf Blitzer, mind you. He didn't just lie to anybody. He lied to Brolf. And he just lied and lied. And how can she be out there apologizing for this? Because she's part of the scheme. She is. And because of the power of the Clintons, those people are, wow, man, they're so powerful. And then I'm going to um, give you an update on the war on printers. Um, I think we've pretty much established my theory is on the correct path. That this whole weapons thing, printing guns, is bull crap. And it's about the fear, the total fear that industry has of these 3D printers and what what actually will come to bear. And uh, so, you know, of course, we have to now take this as some new test markets uh, let's take it to Australia, where, unfortunately, you are following in our footsteps of becoming the large washed mashes of gelatin goo. And it started after the, you all gave up your guns there, I think, is when it started. That's when that, that was the... The, the, the down- gun violence is down, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and slavery is up. John. South Wales police have warned the public against trying to manufacture plastic guns using new 3D printers. Authorities around the world are trying to stop downloadable pr- blueprints of handguns being distributed over the internet. But the online plans have already been acquired by over 100,000 people. Don't you love how the internet brings us all of these news reports? So now we know that somewhere Cody Wilson just threw out the number, oh, it's been downloaded 100,000 times. That is now presented as fact. That's a meme now. Yeah, 100,000. It's the only number. It's not 105,000. It's not 50,000. It's not 200,000. It's always 100,000, which is just the right number. Sounds good. And uh, it's bull crap. I mean, like I think you said it first, which is that zip guns have been around since, you know. And they're better. They don't explode. Right, and they're better. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the police have done a press conference. John Stewart reports. And John Stewart has a, some kind of gig down there, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> it's called the Liberator, a plastic gun made by a 3D printer. By the way, every single time you see them fire it, you see it exploding. You see, and, 
Every every version of this gun has exploded upon printing and testing, except for the one that Cody Wilson fired. 3D printers cost under $1,500 and work by spraying down layer upon layer of plastic to form an object. Plans of the objects can be downloaded over the internet. The model of this handgun has been obtained by more than 100,000 people around the world. <laughs> it's so obvious. That weapon cost us approximately $35. This is the cop speaking. To make. Pretty high. We made that on a base entry level 3D printer. The New South Wales police today warned the public against making or using plastic guns. Make no mistake about it, not only are these things undetectable, untraceable, cheap and easy to make, but they will kill. No, make yeah, no mistake. Kill the guy shooting it. <laughs> it penetrated approximately 17 centimetres. Well, that guy's got a huge one. Into the gelatin block, <laughs> which is about six and three quarter inches, and that would have been a fatal wound if it was pointed at someone. Don't point that thing at me. The police have received information that plastic bullets can also be made by 3D printers. Oh, this is new information, John. Yeah, how do you get the gunpowder inside them? <laughs> plastic bullets. I have some gunpowder ink. <laughs> and say that making or using a plastic gun in Australia is illegal. If you are thinking about even considering even making one of these weapons, you need to understand that not only are they illegal, but uh, they are enormously dangerous. I love that if you are thinking about even considering it, this is, is this is new. Said, thinking about considering? Yeah, yeah, this is if new. You're thinking about considering. Yeah, this is what we call uh before it's a crime, it's pre-crime. The police have received information that plastic bullets can also be made by 3D printers and say that making or using a plastic gun in Australia is illegal. If you are thinking about even considering even making one of these weapons, you need to understand that not only are they illegal, but yeah. uh, they are enormously dangerous. I heard him say thinking about considering. The Liberator is only a single exactly shot handgun, but the plastic guns are difficult to detect. That shot you heard was another video of Cody Wilson firing perfectly. And are becoming a threat to airport security. Oh, yeah. Authorities are concerned <laughs> that gun owners may modify bigger weapons, making firearms fully automatic by printing their own gun parts. <laughs> Homemade plastic landmines or grenades may also become a security problem. Of all the things I would want to print, it's just, it, you, why are we this, yeah, I guess we are. Yeah, we are. We're this stupid. As 3D printers begin to simplify weapons production. Can you not uh, put some fibers in there and just print money? I would think that's a better use of your time. <laughs> Me too. I mean, just get a fiber spinner or something, a spinning printer or whatever. Well, you can actually do that with a regular printer pretty easily. If you, but yeah. the problem is, and I'll mention this to anybody out there who yeah, thinks they can counterfeit yep. using a good printer, yep. is that every printer has a code yep. tracked. that is printed on every sheet of paper that's printed by that printer. Yep. And those codes, everyone knows, you know, you can't see them, but the code's there, and they can track your printer down and track you down and find the guy who made these phony hundreds. And if, it's, and, uh, and if it's not that, it's going to be your your Xbox One Connect uh, system that will rat on you. Yeah, somebody will rat on you, so you're not going to get away with it, have so you don't seen, even try. Have you seen that thing? Just let, not yet. I, it looks like a, it's not that fancy looking. By the way, I said let Bernanke do the printing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's good at it. 
Now this Xbox One with with the Connect system. So you you uh, just like Google Glass, you say Xbox on, and then it'll go. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah, it, I know this is suspicious. Yeah, in other words, it's listening. It's on, it's listening all the time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, so I was looking at our calendars. <laughs> oh, want to get this out of the way? Uh oh. I was gonna, I was looking at our calendars and I noticed that the six week cycle. Oh, is it time? Well, no, we we had it. We had the uh, all this the incidents that took place, including the FBI shooting that guy. Right. All that was part of the cycle that began with the Boston thing. Right. So the next six weeks, coming from the, this most recent little, little episodes, turns out to be the July 4th week. I am oh. putting in the book that we're going to have an episode because we haven't had, for example, we haven't had a bomb on July 4th since uh, Independence Day with Will Smith. <laughs> well, first of all, it has to be an IED. It could be. Uh, what are the, the IEDs in the news? So we need to do an I. So we're going to have to have IEDs in the United States of America, and well, it's going to happen on the Independence Day. Well, let's see what. Uh, let's see, uh, July Fourth movies. Let's see what's coming out July Fourth. This is uh, how we do it, by the way. Um, July Fourth movies. Top 10, that's 2012. Can't you just, like, go and... Where do you go to find out what movies are coming? Uh, you have a subscription to Variety or Hollywood Reporter? <laughs> yeah, I do. Of course not. <laughs> oh, listed. shit, it must have expired, my subscription. Ready for the... Ho- what's this holiday weekend? Hangover Part 3, Fast and Furious 6. Well, we know that. Yeah, Fast and Furious. We have got to have something good. No, there's always a big uh, tent pole that comes out on the first on the July fourth. Yeah, of course, of course. Let's see, coming soon. Here we go. This will do it. After Earth. Oh, don't we have uh, the zombie? Oh, After Earth is good. Don't we have the zombie thing coming out? Brad Pitt zombie thing. Brad We've Pitt's. got now you see me, FBI agent. Ooh, Interpol detective track a team of illusionists who pull off bank heists. Hmm. The East, let's see, elite private intelligence firm. It's all intelligence. Kings of Summer. No, I don't really see any. uh, Hmm. There has to be. There's always a July 4th movie. Yeah, well, there's there's tons of. Let's see, June, July. Here we go. July. Okay, it's loading. The Lone. Oh, the the Drone Ranger. Lone drone Ra- Ranger. <laughs> the Drone Ranger comes what? out. Well, it's called the Lone Ranger, but I'm calling it the, oh, the, dr- drone, the Ranger. drone Ranger. That's a good one. Yeah. Write that down. Uh, Despicable Me. Let me explain the way, way back, whatever that is. Pacific Rim. Hmm. When an alien attack threatens the Earth's existence, giant robots piloted by humans are deployed to fight off the menace. Possible. Pacific Rim, yeah, it looks like. But that's the 12th. The- Hammer of the Gods on the fifth. There's actually nothing opening on the fourth. There's, there's Kevin Hart. Let me explain well, on the third. That's, uh, e- that's big even star. Nothing can hurt me on the third. That's even the, worse, John. You know what that means? They got a whopper plan that no one wants their movie getting snowed under. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so it will be on the fourth. It might be on the fourth itself. Yeah. Better put the make a note so we can clip this if it ha- actually happens on the. Damn. Yeah, I don't see anything coming. Yeah, there's nothing on the fourth. That's weird. Hmm. 
Okay. Well, that doesn't feel too great. No. Hmm. Um, I had a couple. If you want, I just had a. I can. I can, we do the emails on Thursday if you want. I got a couple emails to read, but maybe it's better if we do that on Thursday. Yeah, I want you to do it on Thursday. We get a, we're good today. Oh, uh, okay. As long as we don't get like some huge thing that because because I, I like reading the emails, but then we get some huge event. There's always an event. Uh, it really is, isn't it? Anyway, I just uh, I got one clip here. This is, one, this is Chris Christie. Uh, being badgered by uh, Matt Lauer, the guy who uh, auditioned for VH1, um, about uh, if uh, if Superstorm Sandy, if that wasn't uh, you know because of climate change. Uh, I got some respect for the dude. <laughs> this week, you said you don't think there's been any proof thus far that Sandy was caused by climate change. Several experts I've heard from say the destruction, though, from Sandy was probably more severe because of elements of climate change, including, including rising sea levels. Are you not willing to say that? No, true? I'm not, because they, what did they say? First of all, they, this is their business. They study it, and they say, probably, maybe. <laughs> all I said was, I haven't shown any definitive proof yet that that's what caused and this is just, listen, this is distraction. I've got a place to rebuild here, and people want to talk to me about esoteric theories. We've got plenty of time to do that later on and study that and let me be more informed about it. But no, I'm not going to buy things, you know, out of whole cloth about it. I'm just not going to, especially when they won't definitively say anything, and it's their business. <laughs> we just let him have it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> and Matt Lauer, like, that's not what you're supposed to say. That's not fair. That wasn't okay to say, Chris Christie, just because you fat. Chris Christie is a, <laughs> is, is a pretty quick on his feet guy that is going to be and a great politician in that regard. Yes. And he's not going to be the easiest guy in the world to, uh, you know, it's going to be Christie versus Rand Paul versus uh, the guy in Florida. What's his name? Jeb, uh, Jebediah. Oh, well, no, he's not going to get in. Rubio? No, uh, you know, the guy. The, the, Rubio. The, the Cuban guy. Rubio. Rubio, yeah. Rubio, yeah. those three are, are going to be the lead candidates. You don't think Jeb is going to go at all? No. No? Hmm. I don't think so. I mean, unless there's an unless something falls apart and he can move in at the last minute. I did have a clip. I should have I should put it on the... You know, New, New Jerseyites, New Jerseyans, they do not like Christie. In, well, in general. But, of course, these are the uh, the Obama bot friends that I have. Yeah, well, they don't know. No. No. So, uh, I mean, how does he get, keep getting reelected? Oh, they hate him. Well, they got him in again. Well, I, th I think uh, Christie would be pretty interesting. Christie is the is the fast talker, uh, and and he can use his he can use he can throw his weight around. <laughs> oh, I know. So he, uh, but he has the possible, you know, the he's he would be good in the debates because he t he's he's the closest to telling it like it is guy that the public likes. And in all of his uh, yeah, opinions, and, and, are and pretty, I, you're right. And I think we need, you know, knowing we how need the, a straight talker. We, we don't do. need some guy who's being told what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. They're all wishy washy. Yeah, it's true. But you know, it's going to be four more years, and or three, yeah, three, four, whatever, nine, a hundred, whatever. Mm, the question the is, Republicans are trying to marginalize Christie to get him out of the race. They're trying to keep the Rand Paul looks like their guy. Oh, really? And yeah. I know it's horrible, but I think uh, Christie can get in, and uh, he's more—he's—he's um, he's just a better candidate. He's got the right 
attitude about things, and he's and he's a straight shooter. He's not doing the checklist thing. And he likes meat. He apparently likes meat. <laughs> apparently a lot of starch, too, I would guess. Um, so are you on Twitter today? No, it's a holiday. They don't do the show. Unlike us. Oh, really? They, of, they don't even have a show? On holidays. They tend not to do a show on a holiday. They run a rerun, usually. Really? Oh, how lame is yes. that? Well, that's that's lame. What well, am I going to do? This is my understanding. <laughs> I mean, they just have they didn't invite me the entire month. <laughs> Nick the Rat uh, is not happy with Chris Christie. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, I'm sure Nick is from uh, New York or New Jersey. I'm telling you. Yeah, obviously he's a, he's in with the Goldman Sachs guys. I mean, come on. It's like we all know this. We're not we're not we're not promoting a candidate here. What is wrong with you people? People actually think that we... Oh, John, I'm sorry. The, you have to understand. When we talk like this, you know, like professionals and like who's who's the better candidate, you know, we're talking like producers, not as people who care about what happens to the country. Oh, well, <laughs> that, when the guy gets in, who knows who's really running things? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't exa- mean anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ah, well, so I'll be configuring my PSK mail then. Perfect. Yes, my PSK mail network, and uh, and it'll be kind of it'll be kind of sad because Miss Mickey's off to the airport. Uh, she's going to uh, uh, Gitmo Lowlands. She's uh, got a huge uh, gallery show, which we're all very excited about, and so she'll be gone for ten days. So uh, your bed is ready, John. Great, I'll be right over. <laughs> I'll not like. If you were a pal, you would come over and hang out. But you know, yeah, yeah, well, it would ruin the show. Um, well, we wouldn't have to do the show here. Just come for a couple of days and cook with me. Yeah, I could. Yeah, but you won't. I'll see what I got for frequent flyer miles. Never mind. I'll just have uh, Nick the Rat over. Okay, uh, well, have a great Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Uh, remember uh, to be thankful for the war machine that we are. That is if you're an American. Uh, if you're in uh, the lowlands itself, uh, you have... You, this is cool. The Dutch uh, Air Force is now, from now on, to be under control of the German Air Force. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can't afford it anymore. So, the, so the, ah, here you Germans, you just run the show. It's, it's not. This is not. History shows this may not be a good idea. But okay, up to you. It's the Brussels way, everybody. Coming to you from the Travis Heights hideout, where with near certainty it is always feasible to capture me. I'm Adam Curry, and I say in the morning. You say in the morning, I say in the morning. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda. Hi, everybody. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A.